And it's Steve Tasker who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual role player for you. Steve. Steve. A blimp. We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to St. John Fisher University. Chris Brown here with you. Steve Tasker will be here effective tomorrow. If you're wondering about his whereabouts, he is marooned in Denver. His uh, family reunion uh, and getting back from it proved to be difficult as uh, the airline industry, as we all know, cancels flights at their every whim, uh, sometimes for no reason. And that was the case for Steve and his whole family yesterday as they were trying to get out of Denver and get back uh, here to western New York. So he is delayed, but he is supposed to be on a flight home today, so we'll have him out here at camp tomorrow. So it's you and me, at least for the first hour. Maddie Glad will be joining me a little bit later on in the show to kind of go over our on-field observations from day two. And just to bring you up to speed, because day one, as we know, on the practice field was Sunday, Right off the bat, and Sean McDermott has done this in years past. Day one of camp, bang, right in the red zone for team segments of practice. And then today, the focus was third down in the team segments. Third and short in particular, third and medium. Right around like third and two, third and three, third and four. All of those kinds of downs and distances for the entire team segments of practice today. So the early focus, red zone and third down, I think we all know why. Those are critical moments in every football game. And so Coach McDermott made it a point to make that a focus here on the first two days of camp. Bills had a transaction today. They signed free agent guard Jordan Simmons. So veteran player has been largely a backup in the league, mostly at the guard position. So he is in the fold now and uh, was out on the practice field today. He'll be wearing jersey number 61 for anyone who's interested and wants to get a peek at him. So he got his first day of work in today. Jamison Crowder did not participate in practice today. He was on the stationary bike alongside Tredavious White, who remains on the active PUP list, along with two other players, Ike Butker um, and Roger Saffold the veteran guard who was the first free agent signee back in the spring. Saffold, unfortunately, had a a car accident a few weeks ago and had some rib injuries as a result of that accident, so he is not yet fully cleared to practice. Same for Tredavious White and Ike Butker, who's coming off the Achilles injury last year in Week 16, still has some time to go for that to be in the right place. We haven't even seen him out here really through the first two days of training camp. Got a chock-full of nuts show for you today. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we are scheduled to have Brandon Bean join us. So we're looking forward to that conversation as he sits down with us here on set at training camp. Second hour of the show, right around 1.30-ish Eastern time, we're going to have NFL Network's Mike Giardi joining us. He spends a lot of time covering the AFC East for the NFL Network. He was here at practice today, so he'll join us, not only give us his thoughts on the Bills, but at, on the AFC East as lar- at large. I'm not sure. This might be his first camp that he's gotten to. I'll try to check with him before we bring him on the air. I believe this might be the first camp that he's getting to, so he may not have seen the other AFC East clubs uh, just yet, but he's got his ear to the ground on all the offseason happenings 
with all the teams in the division. So we look forward to that conversation. And as I said, Maddie will be joining us a little bit later on in the show, and we'll kind of just kind of share our thoughts from the first two days of camp to this point. As we know, Josh Allen spoke to the media yesterday, and uh, I, I thought the most interesting comment from him was the one about the new mindset that he believes the team has to have. So he essentially said, we can't think of ourselves the way we did last year because we're a new team. We feel we're a better team. So our mindset has to be we have to be better on the field each and every week. So last year they were an 11-6 football team. I think we would all agree they had some down performances through the course of that year. Um, some people feel they may have, sh- may have or should have had an even better record than 11-6. and six. And I would say at least one more victory for sure. The Indianapolis and Jacksonville games stand out, as does the season opener against Pittsburgh, uh, in terms of that 11-6 and six record when all was said and done. And what Josh intimated was, we expect to be better, and we're practicing that way. We're taking film sessions, and every, every moment they're doing football, they are focused on being better than they were last year. And I think the main reason why because Josh addressed this at the end of last season in a locker cleanout press conference at the close of the 2021 campaign, where he basically said, we need to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. To do that, you have to be better than 11 and 6. And so I think they know they got to stack some more stuff in the win column in order to get that number one seed at home, not only at home for the duration of the playoffs, but the bye as well. So you're playing one less game just to get to the Super Bowl. So that was some of Josh's thoughts in addition to his uh, clear affinity for turkey burgers here at St. John Fisher University. I will say, I did, I you know, all the hype between him and Jordan Porter who was talking up the turkey burgers, I did have one yesterday, and it is probably one of the best turkey burgers I had. So the hype meets the results. I will say thumbs up on the uh, St. John Fisher University turkey burgers. Uh, I don't think... I uh, had them quite the same as some of the players do. I'm, I was standing in line behind Tremaine Edmonds. I said, oh, you're getting a turkey burger too? He goes, yeah, but I might stack mine a little differently than yours. He put two patties on his bum. I'm like, yeah, I, I only need a single here. I'm good. Uh, so Tremaine was loading it up, and uh, he's apparently a fan of the turkey burger as well. Uh, Von Miller also addressed the media yesterday, and I wrote this in our three things that we learned from day one at training camp on buffalobills.com. But I think the the biggest thing for me that stood out was Von Miller said, I need snaps. His entire career, he is not used to taking snaps off, being rotated out of the lineup. He's been on the field for 60, 70, 75 snaps a game for his entire career. He knows coming in the door here that it's a rotational system. Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott, subscribe to rotating defensive linemen through sometimes eight in a game with varying degrees of playing time of course uh, the starters tend to play a little bit more but not tremendously more and so von miller was asked about that dynamic and how he feels about it and he essentially said i'll do whatever they ask me to but i expect to play he said when i'm not on the field and the other team gets a big play on us that bothers me because i feel like i could have affected things somehow So I think there's going to be a balance that has to be struck there. I think the Bills are also respecting the fact that Von Miller is 33 years old, and while he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down, 
I think they're going to want to keep the rotational system in play. And we'll hear from defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier a little bit later on in the show. He will address this very subject on Von Miller and the snap count that he's looking for and how they'll try to balance that with what their rotational system is through the course of what will be a 17-game season. So we'll get to that uh, in short order. A couple other things, though, that I wanted to get to. Um, People that have impressed early through the first two days. James Cook stands out. You don't even have to have a trained eye for football talent. Smooth route runner, very fluid athlete. He stands out on a field that has a very, very, very good roster. I think Khalil Shakir, the other rookie, has done a nice job um, in making plays here the first two days. The pads aren't on yet, which could change the dynamics a little bit, but I think through the first two days, he's a, uh, made a good first impression, I would say, is a, is a safe way to put it. Today, the defense probably had the better of the offense. Four interceptions in today's practice, two by Josh Allen, the others by uh, Case Keenum. One was a questionable, in my mind, defensive pass interference. Uh, Nick McLeod kind of bumped the intended receiver on the play before the ball got there and kind of bumped him out of position and then made the play on the ball. But McLeod had two of the interceptions today, one while lined up at corner and the other while lined up at safety. So I'll be eager to ask uh, Brandon Bean about Nick McLeod and how he's coming along, especially in a position flex situation. So that's a guy that I'll be asking him about when we get a chance to sit down with Brandon in just a little bit. What we want to do now, though, is go over to the podium across the way from where I sit, Stefan Diggs addressing the media. So let's hear from Stefan. What do you think of it, you know, getting away as a team and, and that sort of thing? Because it does kind of go against the trend in the National Football League. But what does it mean to you and to this team? It's my first year here, so uh, definitely something heavily anticipated when they said we were going to be here. Uh, I look forward to it. It's definitely uh, a team bonding kind of thing, getting away from your home. You know, only thing I miss is my bed. But other than that, I enjoy being around the guys and getting back to football. It's early. What have you seen going up against a guy like Kyrie Elam, a young rookie, first-round pick? I mean, it's only day two, so... Uh, so like we got a lot to build off of just as far as like uh, as a team and as a unit, as far as like individual. Uh, you know he's a good player. You know he was drafted in the first round. Um, of course they're going to expect a lot out of him immediately, but I feel like he's up to the task, and uh, I hope I hope we can build off of. Tim taking over as offensive coordinator now. Um, I think something's in my nose. Ken <laughs> <laughs> taking over as offensive coordinator. What have you noticed in terms of the difference, and how much of an adjustment do you think it is for? I think it's a, I think it's a lot of things actually similar more than the difference because they were kind of underneath. Uh, you know, he was a QB coach, so he kind of kept things predominantly the same as far as uh, terminology and language, just so we didn't have to relearn a lot of the stuff. Uh, but I, feel, I don't really know. I'm not in the quarterback OC room. I'm just doing what I'm told. So uh, I just feel like uh, he's doing a great job. Um, we just taking, like I said, we're just building off it brick by brick. It's only day two. You know what I'm saying around like day 17, day 16. I'll let you know. They've always moved you around pretty well in the offense with Cole being gone. I mean, Cole, you could count on, was in the slot all the time, and rightfully so. But, I mean, do you see uh, moving around maybe even more uh, in different spots? Well, no, I think they're just going to keep me in one spot the whole time. (laughs) 
How much do you think Gabe Davis's performance in that playoff game was a launching point and prepared him for what should be a bigger role this year? I don't think it was necessarily that game because, uh, as we all knew, uh, especially his first year, we knew he was a, he carried himself as a professional. He stacked every day, and everybody on his team not only respected the game but knew he was a talented receiver. It wasn't more so that game because he, he had the ability before that. You know, you saw it week in and week out, especially as a receiver. You get to see a guy every day. So it was more so everybody else saw it rather than, than we saw it because uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't surprised of anything that he did that game. Uh, he had a hell of a game, but... Right now, Gabe is having a hell of a career if you consider it for a young guy. You know I'm saying he stepped in as a as a young guy, was playing early, and that second year, all he did was make take the second year jump to me at least. Uh, and I don't, I wasn't surprised by it at all. I just felt like he was just doing what he had been doing. Just everybody got to see it at a high level. Have you seen him step up, perhaps even more this off season coming into this camp? Perhaps. I mean, I mean, kind of like when you, when I say early, like it's day two, but as far as like. Uh, my personal relationship with Gabe, I watch him put a lot of time in in the offseason. I watch him uh, hone in on the things he, you know, I feel like he felt like was weaknesses. And uh, he kind of took it day by day. You know what I'm saying? It translates now. You know, we all just trying to get on the same page right now. It's more so you, every league year starts, starts different. This is a brand new team, uh, a lot of new pieces. You know, some pieces are gone. So as far as like starting over again and building that clay. So uh, as far as the individual, Gabe is a hell of a player. He's talented. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, we got a hell of a quarterback. We got some running backs, we got some receivers, but it all goes into um, not putting a, a carriage before the horse. You know what I'm saying? So, you've, been, you've, been, you've had different coordinators start your stops in your career. What is the key to making sure when you have a new coordinator to get everybody on the same page as quick as possible? What has been the common denominator to do that? Uh, I guess communication. I would say communication is everything, especially from an OC standpoint. Just trying to convey the message on what kind of offense you want to have, what kind of identity you want to have. And that's something that not only uh, Coach McDermott does, but everybody's echoing. And what kind of identity you want to have, what kind of team you want to have. And you just take it day by day because you don't come out and figure out who you are day one and day two, but you can kind of start laying a foundation on uh, what kind of team you want to be. And they, they, have a, they do a great job of bringing in the right kind of players you know, with that right mindset of, you know, uh, not putting the carriage before the horse, putting a lot of time in, and uh, that's what you got to do. In order to be a good team, you got to stack those days, you know what I'm saying, and uh, build that identity. So you just take it one day at a time. There were a couple of times early in practice that the offense was struggling a little bit. You seemed to step up and get with the little guys and ask them to kind of amp their energy up yeah. a little bit. How have you seen yourself kind of grow into that leadership role kind of since you got here? I mean, I feel like I kind of, um, I've been that guy as far as like, sense of urgency, uh, one play at a time. You know what I'm saying? I echo it to my quarterback. I echo, echo it to everybody. I never want to have a low, and I never want to ride that roller coaster because, you know, throughout games and throughout practice, you're going to have those ebbs and flows of good plays, bad plays, good plays, bad plays. So I kind of try to stay even keel and keep the energy positive, you know, breathe confidence in the guys to the left and to the right of me. So when you're making plays, you know, feel excited about it, be happy about it. You know, you kind of get caught up with just doing your job right, and, you know, especially the twos and the threes, they be like, I'm just trying not to mess up. So when you do something well, you need to be happy. You need to celebrate. And when you score a touchdown, you need to, um, need to, you need to give me some energy. So as far as like those lows in practice, that's, that's, that's my job. That's part of my job. I feel like uh, as an individual and part of this team, I can't let nobody be dry in a sense. Understanding the sample size is small and obviously a relationship with his brother, what have you seen from James and his skill set yeah. and how he could maybe potentially help his team? A lot of similarities. A lot of similarities. Um, they, as we know, four. 
the other four was a, is a hell of a running back in this league. Uh, one of the best running backs, in my opinion. I used to argue all the time, was he top three or top two? And I used to be like, well, I feel like he's one. He's the best running back. He can do everything. And it's, uh, the little that I'll say, you know, I've seen a little bit of it the past couple of days. I saw some in the spring. Um, what they say, the apple don't fall far from the tree. So I think we got a good one. Hopefully, you know, it pans out. But he's done some great things. He's a professional. He looks smooth. He's a real, he's smooth running back. Uh, and hopefully he can add to this offense that we got. You're entering your third year now with Josh. Certainly have a good chemistry and rapport. What is the next step, though, in the evolution of your relationship and, and chemistry on the field? Yeah, I mean, I felt like uh, even in when the first year, uh, people would say you got to kind of, um, you know, you need a lot of reps, you need a lot of time. But it's more so you just got to be on the same page with a guy. When it comes down to playing ball, oh, y'all know Josh Allen is a gamer. You know what I'm saying he's a, he's a he's a football player. So as far as like being a football player out there, being on the same page, it's all communication. And going into the third year, it's about dominating. Um, that's, that's my mindset. I don't want to lose. I never want to lose. I heard you, Coach. Uh, I never want to lose. But with him, um, staying where we need to be as far as, like, you know, Josh is super hard on himself as, as well. You know, good play, bad play, not riding that roller coaster. You know, your next play is your best play. And I believe that, you know, that's my quarterback. I'm, saying, I'm rocking with him regardless. I just want to dominate it. I don't want to lose. He's become, he's become a celebrity in some ways. I yeah. mean, like, he's really grown. He's big. <laughs> how, how, is, how have you seen him maintain, still be Josh, while dealing with the experience, the whole Josh experience that's, that, that surrounds him? I feel like he's the same person. I mean, kind of similar to the Gabe situation. Everybody else gets to see you. Everybody knows you. Um, but as far as like being that same person, you don't change. He's still the same person. I know that loves the golf, loves to do everything he loves to do. Uh, when more people know you, uh, you just got more eyes on you. And he's the same. He's the same guy. He's some people you know that, you know, they say uh, money doesn't change you. Money makes you more of the person that you already are. So he's the same person. It wasn't it wasn't the money. It wasn't people knowing him. He's a good guy. He's a goofball. So. I know he big shit, though. When we first talked to Khalil Shakir, he said he wasn't going to pretend to be cool because he's a big Stephon Dix fan. He can't believe he's on the same team. And once again, understanding the sample size is small. What have you seen from him and how he could potentially be uh, he's a professional. You know, he's a young guy, so he's trying not to F up. So I, I'm, I'm super hard on those guys just because uh, I see some potential. When I see some potential in those young guys, I just want the best out of them. You know, and um, you never know how this thing is going to shake out. You know, guys get injured or guys get tired. You know, you never know when you need those guys to step up. Like earlier, he had to go in after I caught a pass. And having that, having that confidence in those young guys that I can send him in there and he's not going to mess up. You know what I'm saying? So he's been doing a good job so far, you know, knock on wood. So hope this is wood. But uh, I, I hope he continues to continues to grow and stack those bricks. Young guys going to be young guys, but, you know what I'm saying, I'm pulling for him always. How was your DC event? It was awesome, you know. Um, I'm, I'm trying to build off it, actually. I had 70-plus black vendors, you know, entrepreneurs, promoting the entrepreneurship, you know. This day and age, everybody want to work for themselves, so trying to give them an avenue to, uh, you know, not only make a difference on my end, but I believe in making a difference is, you know, putting money in people's pockets. I was going to ask you similar, you also had a chance to have a camp for, yes. know, for young kids mm -hmm. back in your hometown. Yeah. You know, how personally rewarding is that for you to be able to find ways to contribute to your 
community that way and in, in, in that other event as well? I think it's part of my responsibility. Um, as far as like having a platform is one, and using it effectively to make it make a difference or making change is another. So uh, a lot of my a lot of my initiatives are geared to women and kids. You know, I try to. I feel like those are the most you know uh, impactful. You know, as men, we got to stand on our own team, kind of got to figure it out. And I always try to be there for the people who you know. Uh, might might be less fortunate or might just need an opportunity. So using my platform effectively and those kids, you don't never know. And those kids being close to you, might you know, you might see the next Adrian Peterson, the next star in those kids, and uh, giving them something to do outside of being outside. You know, might be having a little fun, but might be getting in trouble as well. So for me, it's you know, creating another avenue, creating another you know vantage point for for people to just to better themselves. Personal goals, you know, stats because you had the greatest receiving season in Bills history two years ago. It was I. I mean, I had that conversation uh, with Coach Davis when he was there my first year. In my second year, I don't set individual goals uh, because I put a lot of work in, a lot of work into my craft. So, um, and you never know how it's going to shake out. As far as like, uh, it all comes down to opportunity and being ready for the opportunity. And uh, the plays coming your way, just make them. You know, setting goals kind of feel like if you fall under anything underneath those goals, you didn't do good enough. And I don't live in that world. I live in a world of uh, my preparation going to carry me over. You know, that's where I get my confidence from. It's from my preparation. So I wonder who's right there where they're screaming. Hopefully it's Vaughn. There we go. Uh, I said, yeah, I don't I don't live in a world of uh, setting goals. I got some team goals. That's for damn sure. We all know. But uh, individual, nah, I'll be all right. You guys around you better, like we talk about a point guard basketball and other guys. Numbers reflect what you bring to the table. Uh, I try not to live in that world either. I tell a little dirty all the time. The like, only reason you're getting the ball is because I'm getting you open. But I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding because, you know, those guys put in a lot of time as well. But that's part of being a leader uh, in my eyes. Uh, how good are you making the guys around you? I'm saying not only individually, but uh, can you can you, can you you get more out of a young guy? Can you get more out of an older, older guy? I'm saying in part like pushing him, like a guy like Tavon Austin. You know, Tavon Austin in my city is a legend. I'm saying and back at, back at home at least. Uh, he's from Baltimore, I'm on the other side, but he's a legend, you know what I'm saying? And having a, time, having a chance and opportunity to play with him, how can you derive or uh, bring some motivation to the table? How can you continue to push him, and how can he push me? So for me, uh, I try not to live in that world, but I damn sure going to die behind. I get a little dirty open. Steph, you know, Last you, one you mentioned on. you don't have individual goals, yeah. but there are obviously team ones. And with the experience that you've been able to amass with this group and the steps this franchise has taken, how ready... I realize it's early, but do you feel this group is to, to take that next step? Um, I would say we got some experience. You know what we got experience getting to kind of where we want to go. Uh, do we have the team? Uh, 100%. Do we have the people? Yes. Do we have the coaches? Yes. I mean, but it's onus is on us and the preparation and kind of building it day by day. Uh, I don't have individual goals for a reason because I set a standard for myself that I'm supposed to do well. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I, expect, I expect to do well. I don't expect to do anything. But catch the ball, get open, and that kind of thing. But for the team, uh, that's why I'm saying pushing the guy next to you. Uh, we've been we've been places. Have we been where we wanted to go? No. So you know where we're trying to go. Thanks, boy. Appreciate you. All right, that is Stefan Diggs addressing the media out here at training camp on day two. And among the things uh, that he discussed was, I, which I like to hear, of course. I mean, he's been an ultra productive receiver his first two years in a Bills uniform. And the prospect has been raised to him that with other viable targets in the passing game for Josh Allen to spread the ball around to, his numbers may see a dip this year. 
because Gabe Davis is, you know, becoming a rock-solid number two receiver. Jamison Crowder is a proven veteran slot receiver. Isaiah McKenzie looks like he's going to have a larger role in this offense. And then James Cook, as we've already discussed, looks like he is on the fast track to make contributions in this offense in the passing game as well somewhere along the way here this season. Sooner rather than later, it would almost seem. Not that we want to get too ahead of ourselves after just two days of practice. Um, he said he doesn't care about personal stats. It sounds like the only thing that Stephon Diggs and a lot of other veteran players have as number one on their list is to win the whole dang thing this year, and anything else is considered gravy. And I, I have to say there is a, a laser focus that you kind of sense in a lot of these players, particularly the veteran ones who have been on this roster the last couple of years and experienced coming up short in Kansas City each of the last two years. Diggs also said, when asked about James Cook specifically, what he was asked about was, does he remind him at all of his older brother Dalvin Cook, who, as we know, Stephon Diggs played with and was a teammate with in Minnesota. And you heard Stephon speak glowingly about James' older brother Dalvin, saying he thought he was the best all-around running back in the league. He said he likes what he sees from James Cook early on, and he said, quote, I think we've got a good one, but he said he wants to see more. But he is not the only veteran player on this roster that has been excited by what he's seen from James Cook in the early going. All the way back in the spring, center Mitch Morse, just in reviewing practice film from the OTAs, said he's a stud, and he got a lot of work today on day two when they were working a lot of third down plays. So I think there's a good chance that he's going to be on a fast track to contribute to this offense pretty early, particularly in the passing game. He, he stands out. He just does uh, on the practice field. So that is an interesting thing to keep an eye on. The other thing that happened, and Josh Allen at the center of this again, We already heard about his uh, affinity for turkey burgers. Apparently today, during autograph signings, he he snuck up behind Dawson Knox and signed the back of his neck, Uh, to which Dawson Knox apparently said, I could probably sell my neck for a lot right now. Um, We hope to hear from Dawson Knox a little bit later on in the show as he's scheduled to address the media as well today. but for now, the other issue I wanted to get to, because I did mention James Cook, I mentioned the other rookie, Khalil Shakir, shifty route runner, is making some plays here through the first two days. For top draft choice, Kair Elam, it's been a little bit of a baptism by fire. Uh, facing some of the better receivers on the roster, like Stephon Diggs and others, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs went right at him early in the team segments today. And while Kair Elam isn't giving up big plays or anything, He is having trouble staying plastered to a receiver like Stephon Diggs. A rookie against an all-pro receiver, you're going to expect that somewhat, but I think that's the fastest way for Kyir Elam to get better. Play the best of the best and know what you're going to be up against each and every Sunday in this league as a rookie. So I also believe this. The pads have not gone on yet, and I think the strength of Kyir Elam's game right now is his physical press style, and you really can't employ that in its purest sense when you don't have pads on yet. So 
I think when the pads go on later this week, we will see a difference in Kair Elam's down-to-down performance. I'm not saying he's struggling by any means, but I think there are some things that he's learning on the fly that are allowing some plays here and there to be made against him. So something to keep an eye on in the coming days to see if he kind of gets it and is quicker on the uptake with each passing day. Uh, Rotating people through uh, at the left guard position right now with Roger Saffold sidelined with the rib injury. So they continue to roll people through over there. Among the names, Cody Ford, David Kessenberry. So that's just, I would tend to think, uh, a stopgap maneuver at this point, but we'll have to wait and see where that goes. And another player who has impressed me, two defensive players in particular, Von Miller, who looks regular season ready right now. Uh, just in, you know, you don't really get an appreciation for a player until you're right up on them. And I kind of learned this from Bill Scouts over the years. You say, well, why do they have to know what their body type is? It's pretty important in assessing or projecting how good a player is going to be. So I try to be mindful of these things when I'm finally up close on the sidelines near a player. And the thing that stands out about Von Miller, his levers are muscled up to the hilt. His arms are all uh, dieseled up. And then his thighs, there is so much muscle tissue through his quads and his hamstrings. It explains why this guy is as explosive as he is and is the best pass rusher of his generation. His explosion today was readily noticeable. Off the snap, you know, it's like he shot out of a cannon. And so seeing that, and believe me, in team segments today, he won more than his share. He actually had to pull up so fast that he had to fall on the ground to avoid hitting Josh Allen in the pocket because, as we know, they're all wearing red jerseys. Quarterbacks are untouchables. And Vaughn was basically getting there just as Josh was stepping up in the pocket and he wisely avoided a collision. So really impressed with what we've seen early from Vaughn Miller. That's no surprise. The most encouraging one is Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, who had a nine-and-a-half sack season the last time he was here in 2019. Leslie Frazier said today he believes he's capable of a 10-sack season this year because of the shape in which he has reported to in training camp. First guy in the weight room this morning, Leslie Frazier was also saying how he is in fantastic physical shape, and you can see it on the field. There is a spring in his step. There is an explosion that I don't even know if we always saw in 2019. It is there. He is regular season ready right now. So really encouraged about what Jordan Phillips is going to be able to bring to the table on the defensive line for this team. We are going to take a break here because when we come back, we hope to have Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, joining us right here on set on the campus of St. John Fisher University at Bill's training camp. It's One Bill's Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bill's Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown here with you. Steve Tasker will be out here at training camp tomorrow. He's stuck in Denver. Flight got canceled yesterday. He's uh, supposed to be on a plane today, so hopefully he'll be back here and joining us out at training camp tomorrow. 
we were we're waiting on the arrival of GM Brandon Bean. So while we do that, we are going to show you uh, Dawson Knox addressing the media today. We'll get his comments on how it feels to have the back of his neck signed by Josh Allen. Here is Dawson Knox. I just felt someone writing something on my neck as I was signing stuff. I turned around, Josh is just getting after it. So probably sell the neck for a lot now, huh? Yeah, yeah, had a wedding in Mexico for uh, my buddy JJ Orsega Whiteside, plays for the Eagles. It's a great time. Mexico's always fun. Good weather, so it was, it was fun. This is your first time here, though, right? Dawson, second time. Second, rookie, second, year rookie year was 19. Why do you, if you do, think it's important to be in a setting like this versus back in Buffalo for King? Um, I think it just it helps the team come together a little bit better, um, especially with guys that have families and kids. Like, you know, I don't have a wife or kids or anything, so I'm by myself anyway. But when you can kind of get away and get more alone time with the guys, whether it's during the off time in the dorms playing card games and board games or really just being away from everything and focusing on football, I think it kind of helps that chemistry build a little quicker. Talked a lot, members of the offense, Dawson, about you know Ken taking over or whatever. For your perspective, well, we know there's a lot of carryover uh, when you promote from within like that. Um, talk about that, I guess, and maybe what's different and what you guys are adjusting to. Yeah, a whole lot of carryover. Um, he knows exactly what Josh likes because he's been his quarterback coach for the last few years. Um, I don't want to give away any trade secrets right now. I know you guys don't want me to do that either. Um, so we're going to keep a lot of the stuff in-house. But there's definitely some cool twists that we're working on. Um, it's fun having guys like OJ in the room. Um, there's going to be a lot of diversity, a lot of versatility with the, uh, with the, with the position now. So um, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff that's added, but he's keeping a lot of the stuff the same too. What kind of diversity does OJ bring you? What do you see there? I mean, he's a freak athlete, first of all. He makes me feel small. I mean, the dude's like, you know, 6'6". His arms are massive. Um, just having another weapon like that is just going to make us that much harder to stop. So uh, I think he's just going to push me to be better, too. I think the better the room is as a whole, the better each individual is going to be as well. Um, but it's going to be fun to bring us in, run the ball some, then spread us out, get us good matchups on linebackers. Um, so it's just an extra piece that, you know, it's going to be a nightmare to defend for a defense. It is a matchup issue for defenses, right, when you vote them? Oh, yeah, we can't wait. It's going to be a nightmare for a lot of defenses. Is, is there an inflammation period that goes with all this new, as you say, fun stuff that you're doing to learn it and – yeah, um, and a lot of that acclimation period was during OTAs, which we already knocked out with minicamp. Um, we already started installing stuff back in April. Um, so a lot of this stuff is stuff we've already been going over for a few months now. Now we just get to kind of run around and do it full speed, which I've always been the type of learner where I need to go out and actually do it to kind of get it to click in my head. So, um, you know, over the next few weeks, it's going to be huge for us to start developing that playbook. Now that you've kind of become the veteran in the tight end room, I know we were just talking to Diggs, and he was like, I only push people who I think, you know, can get something out of it. How do you yeah. approach that? Um, I think it's important to take guys kind of one-on-one, um, whether it's in the locker room or kind of to the side during practice. Um, I've never been like the rah-rah guy in the huddle, um, but I think it's important just to make sure guys are doing well mentally too, because um, I know when I was a rookie, my head was spinning. I just didn't want to go mess up. I wasn't thinking about going and making plays or doing something good for the offense. I was thinking about, oh, just make sure you're in the right position at the right time. 
Um, so I think just making sure guys are kind of bought into what we have going here and just making sure they're doing good in the mental aspect of their game um, is huge. All right. That's Dawson Knox addressing the media here today. We will take a break here because when we come back, we'll have General Manager Brandon Bean here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live here at St. John Fisher University training camp day two. And joining us here on the show is Bills General Manager Brandon Bean. Brandon, thanks for giving us some time. Um, Day two, much like day one, I want to say I can remember this from 2019. So day one at camp, Sean gets him jumping right into red zone day one at camp in like 2019, I want to say. I don't know why that's sticking in my head. And sure enough, here again, Day one, right into red zone. Today was heavy third down stuff. Is there, I mean, I know there's a reason why Sean does everything. Yeah. There, there is nothing that is not thought through, uh, knowing the methodical guy he is. Why red zone and, and third down early on, particularly third and short? Is that just to keep the routes shorter so they're not doing so much running right out of the gate, or are there other reasons? Well, I think it's there's multiple. It is. You, you do want to monitor the reps, and, and we're trying to ramp these guys up. But um, third down and red zone, a lot of games are won and yeah. lost uh, on those two <laughs> Pretty phases. Pretty important. <laughs> so uh, it's a quick – uh, you know, you can – Sean can stand up there all day and stress, hey, we've got to be good here, we've got to be good here, and the guys are like, oh, we got it, we, we got it. Well, do you? And so <laughs> let's go out here early. So it's a, it can be a good wake-up call for one side of the ball. or You know, and, and yesterday I think, you know, the defense for sure. Uh, but red zone's hard. You know, it, it is more advantageous. There's just less territory for those, you know, receivers to move around. But um, it was a good wake-up call. Everyone's – Talking about our offense of, of hey, it's it's not going to be easy when you get down here and you, and it's got to be we got to be efficient down there. We've when we've been good down there, we've been really hard to stop. You broke the ice on the transactions, which are inevitable this time of year. Yeah. Jordan Simmons, mostly a guard. Yeah. So what 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 was the appeal there? And and is this in kind of relation to the Roger Saffold situation? Yeah, hundred um, percent. You know, we always line up some workouts leading up to camp or. Uh, right when we get here and this year with just the early start and when we wanted to bring our people back we decided to do it uh, after the first practice so a lot of these were lined up uh, before then and you you kind of you know Murphy's Law something's going to happen with uh, and we'd love to sign more you know we lost Anku uh, but we only had Mm -hmm. one spot right now we'll we'll see how these it's a balancing act because when you now that we're at 90 Mm -hmm. you know you get more people hurt you got to you got to thin a position to fill that, and now that gets thin. So um, we we try and weigh that and, and and make the best decisions. We there was an interesting give and take. So Vaughn talks to the media yesterday and says, "I'll do whatever this team asks me, but I want snaps. I want to be on the field." He's used to being on the field. Yeah. Um, and then Leslie spoke today and was asked about that very subject, and he said, "Look, we've got a rotational system. We've had our conversations with Vaughn. We know where we need to be with that." My take from it is it's a whole lot of nothing. Like, yeah. I think they're going to be able to figure out when Vaughn needs to be on the yeah, field. Yeah, Leslie that, Frazier's been doing this a while. Yeah, that, that'll that take care of itself. Every game is its own game. I mean, you may think, you think going in the game it's going to play out like this. How many times does it play out differently? And so, you know, we want Vaughn to definitely be in there when we need him. And 
ultimately we're going to need him down the stretch too. So it'll be that balance, but um, he'll be involved. I mean, he's a vet. He knows his body. He knows what he needs from practice reps to game reps. And um, you can guarantee if, if he's up and healthy that, you know, he's going to be in the game when we need stops, you know, two-minute, last-minute, you know, uh, of a game, half, whatever it is. Uh, you can expect number 40 to be out there. And and I I know I don't have the trained eye like you and your scouting department do, but he looks regular season ready now. Yeah, yeah he, <laughs> I mean, he loves ball, and he trains, and uh, this is, this is you know, it's a profession, but he enjoys the heck out of it. He enjoys the process. He works out. You could see, you know, he was in and out of, of the off-season program, but when he was there, it's not like we had to ramp him up. He, mm-hmm. he was working wherever he was, whether it was L.A. or whether it was Texas, so – uh, he looks he looks good and ready to roll, and, and it's been fun to see him. I know you and the coaching staff have been big on position flexibility. We understand the obvious value in that, whether it's offensive line or elsewhere. And we see Tommy Doyle moving around a little bit, and Nick McLeod we see moving around a little bit. Can you just maybe – I guess the question here is, how do you decide, hey, like Nick McLeod, for example – Let's try him here because of this reason. Is there like I'm curious the decision making process and saying, let's try him here and see how it goes. Yeah, we we talked about Nick back in the spring of, um, you know, with his ball skills, his instincts, that his final resting spot at some point in this league may be safety, and so we moved him there. Now he's a really strong press corner. Off is not going to be um, his strength right now. He's working on it and. Uh, same as some of the other guys, but so he. In the next thing, you got to ask him: Are they smart enough mm-hmm. to to be able to transition in the same practice? And um, he's got really good instincts, really good ball skills. We've seen that for two years. You know, back to last year when we had him before Cincinnati claimed him, and um, he's done a great job. He's a he's just a humble, great, hardworking kid. You you could put him at linebacker, and uh, he's gonna find a way to make a play. And mm. and you know, it's just he's just one of those kids. He knows he's got a knack. For, for being around the ball. Had two picks today. One kind of fell into his lap, but the other one, well, there was a little there was a little disagreement as to whether there was a little DPI there number, before the ball got Number there. 17 <laughs> came over arguing. We need we need officials here. That was and I, I said it was a bang-bang play. You you could see it going either way. Um James Cook has impressed early and and not just fans that are watching, but it's veteran players on this roster, Brandon, that are I mean, Mitch Morse was talking about him all the way back in the spring. He called him a stud. I mean, that's that's a big compliment coming from a six, seven-year guy that's seen a lot of football, mm-hmm. and he's seen him for all of two weeks, and he's like, this guy's going to help us. And then Stefan was just asked today, because he knows his older brother Dalvin. He was a teammate of his. He said, hey, do you see a little of Dalvin and James? And he goes, they look similar. Yeah. And he believes that James is on a fast track to help this team. I know we're only two days in. I don't want to yeah. get ahead of ourselves yeah. here, but – he stands out. Yeah, he, he's he's got he's very smooth. Um, he's got really good ball skills, and he's just. I talked about instincts with with McLeod. You either got it or you don't. You played ball. You grew up. James has been around ball. Obviously, he's had an older brother and and, and others in his family. Uh, you can tell this kid played a lot of backyard football before he ever uh, played for teams growing up, and obviously on to Georgia. Um, he's just uh, he loves ball. He loves the process, and he's a rookie. So. You know, we don't want to blow it up too big. He's going to have to earn it, but um, it's not too big for him. Yeah. You, can, you can sometimes tell when guys get out of here, well, we're going to have to slow down here a little bit. This is this is a lot much. It's, it's natural for him. He's fitting right in whether he's running with the ones or the twos. 
you mentioned some of the younger guys adjusting in the defensive back group to playing off coverage and stuff. Would you put Kair in that category, knowing that when you were scouting him, is I think you even said it after you drafted him, his strength is press man. Yep. So he's going to have to learn the other stuff. So this is we're seeing some of that now yeah. because you saw Josh and Stefan going right at him early in team today. Yeah, no doubt. He, he's going to have to learn all the uh, – these guys have, at this level, great releases, especially when you're going against Stefan Diggs. Right. I mean, his, his releases are elite. It's, it's what makes him – uh, I mean, he's got a lot of other skills, but getting off press is huge, especially when you play some of these teams that do so much press man. So, yeah, that's – you know, we talked about in the offseason with the rules, you know, the way they were, he got a lot of work in off coverage, and I think mm-hmm. it's getting better. That's just something – time, reps, something he wasn't asked to do as much at Florida that, uh, you know, again, we'll try to put him in his strengths too. We're not going to have him right. in off coverage 80% of the time if he's best in press. And so – It'll be a little mixed, but you don't want to always tell the offense, you know, anytime Kyrie's out there, he's always impressed. So he'll continue to work, but I think he's done a nice job. Something tells me he's going to show up a little bit more, too, when you guys put the pants on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all this is uh, this is the thing we have to – all this is still in uh, T-shirt shorts. Right. Um, the other thing, uh, Jamison Crowder okay? Just minor stuff here? Yeah. Like, he missed today. I saw him on the bike. Yeah. He's, he's good? Or Yeah, he's just got some, some tightness, soreness. Okay. Uh, so – uh, hopefully we can get him back out here in the next few days. And then how people keep asking, how far away is Spencer from full practice? We see him out there. He's doing individual position drills. He's even doing some walkthrough with team. Yeah. Is he close? Or? Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to ramp him up the right way. He, oh, okay. You know, he had a limited spring. Um, he didn't do anything on the field in the spring uh, because of his back. Uh, you know, he had a procedure done there. So uh, he's he's progressing. He's just under kind of a, a buildup since he, you know, he was more rehabbing than going through a full off-season program like some of these guys went. And so we're just trying to be smart. And it's not that you're worried about the injury he had. It's just building the rest of his body up. So it's a strength and endurance thing. It's a strength more. and endurance. Just build him up, stair-step. Gotcha. You don't want to rush him out there. But he's doing great. Uh, you know, you always want to know, how did you do that first practice? I saw him last night. He said it felt good. I was ready to do more. You know, they're holding yeah. him back a little bit. I mean, he looks, I mean, he looks felt. Him and Tommy Doyle, like, it's amazing – when you see once a young player has had a full offseason in an NFL program, yeah. especially like the one we have here with Ciano and company, like the, the transformation, like Boogie Basham, he looks like a different person. Boogie, I mean, Rousseau's filling out. Yeah. You, you know. But, I mean, Tommy looks trim. Yeah. Um, so does Spalling. Mean, it's amazing the, tra- the body composition changes that you can make if, in one offseason. If you're a professional, you know, you're not, they're not having to do classes. It's, it's there. Our staff is there, and I'm sure other NFL clubs would say the same. It's what you want to do. How much do you want to invest in, in your in your body and, and get it, you know, as prime as you can, whether it's losing weight, whether it's gaining strength, whatever you, you need, wherever you come in, uh, we, we can put you on a program, and in a year you can see a lot of growth. Last guy I wanted to ask you about, and, and Leslie did talk about him today too, is Jordan Phillips. I mean, we, we remember the nine-and-a-half sack guy that was here in 2019, and it's probably hard to readily recognize it on a frame that large, but he looks fit too. Yeah. And there seems to be an explosion um, here in camp to his game that might be even better than the last time we saw him in a Bills uniform. And Leslie was singing his praises this morning. First guy in the weight room this morning. Um, 
Siano gave him a glowing report when he got back when he was away for five weeks, which yeah. I know with bigger guys, sometimes you yeah. say, hey, you know, don't. Because those guys can gain, gain 15 pounds in a day, and yeah. it's like nothing. I feel like I can, too. Well, <laughs> I'm not that far off myself. I'm, I'm, I'm in that same he, he's I'm done a, He's done a great job, though, to your, to your point. Jordan, um, he came back with this calm confidence that, um, you know, he's always been confident, but he just – he, the maturity level has risen, and he's just been such a pro. And, you know, you saw it in the spring. Like, he picked up like he had never left and just encouraging the young guys and hustling to the ball. I mean, today he makes a great play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh gets, uh, you know, Vaughn comes up high. Josh dips under, goes out to his left, and Jordan loops around behind Vaughn and is right there. And, you know, Josh would have got it away, but it probably would have been a hit on the quarterback, and, and that, that goes to his hustle and, and, and his effort. When you have, we have a little more time. When we have veteran players who you've scouted on film, and then you say, okay, this is a guy we wouldn't mind acquiring, and then you get them here, and you, obviously you want to see how they fit here, but there are parts, I think, to a guy like O.J. Howard's game where you're waiting to see because he's been off the field so much with previous injuries. So if there is a, if there is a short list of what he needs to demonstrate due to the time that he's missed here, what would you say those elements of his game are? Yeah, I think just um, first off, you know, tight ends are two – they got two roles. they got to block, and and they've got to – you know, he's got really good hands. Uh, he's a build-up speed guy. He can, he can get up and roll, and he's just a huge target in the middle of the field. He's got that. Um, I would say improve his point-of-attack blocking. Like, just – and it's not terrible. I've – you know, it's 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 just he can take another step there, and then I mean, if you look where Dawson's come as a point of attack blocker in his time here, he's really improved to be a a three down player. You're not just putting him out there and passing downs. I would say continue to do that, and then just the feel of our offense, that feel of when Josh, you know, or Case, whoever's in there, wants you to sit down. Just that okay, um, that feel of the zone. You know, finding those holes and those creases in in how the route combinations are, which just takes time and takes reps. And then explosion thing is that something you got to keep an eye on? Like, I mean, I know he's over a year removed from the Achilles, but yeah. that's always something you're looking for after an injury like that, right? Like, can it come back? Is it the same? That yeah, kind of thing. No doubt. He's he's always been um, a built when he's at top end. He's really rolling. I'm I'm seeing that. Like, I don't know if he's always had that first step just because he's such a big. So he's a build-up speed He's more of a build-up speed than that instant. Um, But when he's up and rolling, I mean, you know, Rob Gronkowski didn't have that. But when when he's up and rolling, and I'm not comparing those two guys, I'm just saying you can can be a force even if you don't have that instant. He's just such a big body, uh, tall, long. It just sometimes it takes those guys that aren't as low to the ground – you know, right. they don't have that initial burst. Yeah. Well, when Josh calls him a big guy, you know he must be big. So he's a he's a big man. You know, being around him, you know, man, I, I knew OJ was big, and we scouted him in the process. But he he feels even bigger now. All right. Well, listen, we appreciate the time as always. Thanks for stopping by and joining us here. We look forward to catching up with you a little bit later on down the line. But enjoy the rest of training camp, and uh, we'll hear from you soon. Tell Tasker we're finding him for a no show. That uh, well, yeah, well, yeah. He gets fine, it's, fine it's, it's fifty thousand for players. 
Since he's an ex-player, we're going to give him uh, a third of that. So do, start doing the math, Tony owes us. <laughs> yeah, we were. Hey, we were just happy with a free lunch. But yeah. okay, you. you he's going to be a he's, hard bargain. He's going to be in the kitchen working <laughs> off uh, his meals since he didn't. We'll show. have him flipping turkey burgers. That's what, <laughs> thanks, Brandon. Appreciate you, you, it. You got it. All right, we got to take a break here. Hour number two, though, coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, here we are. Hour number two, day two of training camp here at St. John Fisher University. Chris Brown here with you as day two is now in the books from the practice field. Big day for the defense, four interceptions in total, two of them by Nick McLeod, one while playing corner, the other while playing safety. Jordan Poyer uh, had an overthrow that he was the beneficiary of for another interception, and Dane Jackson had the other INT for the Bills' defense today. There were also some good pass breakups made, and let me get to my notes, and I can tell you exactly who had those. Uh, Cam Lewis with a pass breakup. And that was followed by, oh, Cam Lewis had two of the three that I noted here. And the other one was turned in by DeMar Hamlet. So some good stuff there. And Poyer's interception was on a throw from Josh Allen intended for Stephon Diggs, but he overshot the mark there over the deep middle. So uh, interesting day there. And Von Miller had a would-be sack. As I mentioned earlier in the show, he had to literally fall on the ground to avoid hitting Josh Allen. Uh, but he would have had a sack for sure as he would have nailed him as he stepped up into the pocket. Twitter poll today, which we did not get to in the first hour, we're going to get to it here. What should be the main focus of the Bills during this year's training camp? We know that this is a Super Bowl favorite type team. We know the expectations are through the roof, but there are things on their to-do list as they make their final preparations here for the 2022 regular season. What should those be, or what should be at the top of the list in your mind? 803-0550, the area code there to get on board, or one 888 the toll-free number to join us on the show. And you can hit us up there, or you can leave your comment on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. And we go to the tweet sheet now, which is brought to you by Corrigan Moving Systems, the official equipment moving company of the Buffalo Bills. Jack leads us off, and he says perfecting and fine-tuning the offense under Dorsey. Make sure he's ready and they're ready for the season. We cannot afford to take a step back. I don't know what kind of wrinkles he'll add, but they need to get the most out of their wealth of talent and the offensive play calls. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's an obvious one. And and Jack, you know, 100%. I think that is one that is of great focus in terms of the fan base at large. They want to see what this offense is going to look like if it's different in any way, shape, or form under Ken Dorsey. I think we've learned through the course of the spring and hearing from Dorsey himself that a lot of the terminology, the protection schemes, and the plays 
are going to remain the same. I think Dorsey will put his own tweak on it, and then I think it will also be inherently different in how it is executed on game days by virtue of the fact that Ken Dorsey is not Brian Dable. Now, how you whittle things down to determine this is our best stuff, this is what we want to use every week if it works against the opponent, and this is our bread and butter. I think that is what they're funneling the list down to now in terms of play calls that they like a lot and plays that they would want to weave into each and every game plan over the course of the 17-game season. And as Jack said, the wrinkles that Dorsey inserts into this offense are what is going to make it look ever so slightly different from what we've seen for the better part of the past three or four seasons. Seth on the tweet sheet says, I think it's got to be making sure Elam and Jackson are ready to play together at a high level right away. Don't think we'll see 27 on the field in the first month of the season. Wow. D-line will be improved. Offense will do its thing, but we need those guys to make splash plays. All right, a lot to unpack here from Seth. First, Elam and Jackson ready to play together at a high level right away. I am not worried about Dane Jackson. This is year three for him, and I think we can all agree that when Tredavious left the lineup late last season after he tore his ACL at Thanksgiving, the defense, pass defense-wise, did not miss a beat. Proof of that is the fact that the Bills were number one in the league in pass defense when Tredavious White got hurt. They finished the season number one in pass defense. It was virtually unchanged. And I think we could all agree that last year, the bulk of the work by that defense was put in by the guys on the back end because the pass rush was not where it needed to be, which is a big reason why this team went after Von Miller in free agency to improve the pass rush and take some of the pressure off the guys on the back end who more often than not had to cover longer down to down and series to series. So uh, Jackson and the baptism by fire that he had last year as a second-year player leaves me confident that he is ready to play at a high level right away right now. Elam, as we just heard from Brandon Bean, could be a different story. There's a learning curve at play there, particularly when it comes to playing off coverage. He was largely a press man corner at Florida, and I think when the pads go on, we'll see that strength of his game show up on the practice field. But as far as playing off coverage, that's something he's got to pick up on the fly as we go here. So I think to your point, Seth, it goes more towards Elam in that equation in my mind than it does Jackson. Um, I really hope you're wrong in predicting that you don't see Tredavious White on the field in the first month of the season. As we heard from Leslie Frazier earlier today, he was asked a similar question saying, hey, is it at least a blessing in disguise that you're getting all these snaps for Elam and Jackson without White on the field, knowing that if you have to play those guys at the beginning of the year, they've gotten more reps that kind of thing. And Leslie said, well, I guess you could look at it that way. He said, but in the grand scheme of things, I'd rather have Jadavius White on the field. And I think any defensive coordinator would say the same thing. So hopefully he's on a faster track than showing up in October. Um, and, and the reason I believe he will be is because if you do the timetable, he got injured on Thanksgiving last year. That's the third, well, it's the last full week in November. So you come all the way back around December plus the first seven months of this year. That's eight months. 
you get to the end of August, that's nine months. And that's usually, they usually say seven to nine months is the time frame for most people with ACL injuries. Now, Brandon Bean, when he addressed the media two days ago, did say that every case is different, and he's 100% right, because some guys just have a clean ACL tear. It's a simple procedure. It's a great, successful procedure, and the rehab is shorter as a result. Then you have other guys that have other damage in addition to the ACL tear, and the rehab is longer. We don't know the nature of Tredavious White's injury, but I would be inclined to believe, I don't know this, I would be inclined to believe that we see Tredavious before October. So hopefully he does not miss the first month of the season, as you predicted, Seth. D-line will be improved. Yes, I agree with that. Offense will do its thing, but we need those two guys to make splash plays. He's referring again to Elam and Jackson. So splash plays, I'd just be happy with good, solid, consistent coverage, uh, to be quite honest with you. One more here, and then we will go to Leslie Frazier, who we've got ready to bring to you, who spoke to the media earlier today. From the Violet Wanderers, rushing the passer should be the focus. The Bills haven't been able to get to Mahomes and get him on the ground, and that has cost the team. The Bills need their pass rush tuned up, and they have a perfect tutor in Von Miller. Yeah, see, everybody, I understand why the focus naturally goes to Von Miller. Guy's the best pass rusher of a generation, but... You also have Greg Rousseau, A.J. Epinesa, and Boogie Basham. I mentioned how Boogie Basham has completely reshaped his body composition and looks like a different player this year. Could be a big second year from him. Then you've got Greg Rousseau entering his second year. Does he take a leap? He's probably going to see more single-up situations with Vaughn on the other side drawing a lot of double teams. And then I think uh, the guys on the inside are being forgotten about. Players like Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips. Jordan Phillips, as we mentioned, had nine and a half sacks the last season he played in the Bills uniform. And as you'll hear from Leslie Frazier in just a couple of minutes, he has high hopes for Jordan Phillips and what he'll be able to do for Buffalo's pass rush from the interior. So without any further ado, let's turn to Bills defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier now, who addressed the media earlier today. Really, really excited to be back at St. John's Fisher. You know, last year this time we were fighting to uh, COVID and, and, and really going through the protocol and doing all the things that were necessary to prepare to, to, to have camp uh, in, in Orchard Park. So this is just so different and, and just so wide open. Uh, really good dorms. Uh, the food's been great. Uh, seems like the guys are really coming together, even though we're very early in the process. Uh, but it feels good to be here. So we're excited about training camp and looking forward uh, to the days ahead, for sure. With, um, with, with Jordan's situation, how do you make sure that he is focused on football? Not that you're worried that he wouldn't be, but just to make sure that, you know, his head's always in the right spot with everything going on. Yeah, you know, Jordan is such a pro, as you know. Uh, he's one of those guys you don't really have to worry about a whole lot. You know, in our conversations in the off season, it was just words of encouragement because, you know, I knew that he would be working out. He'd be preparing himself and staying on top of the install and things that we were doing uh, at, at Archer Park. Uh, so you never really worried about him. And even now in training camp, uh, even though uh, there are obviously some conversations going on regarding his contract, he's able to stay focused on the task at hand and continue to lead us the way he has. So never really concerned a word about Jordan, uh, such a professional. You, you had referenced this, I think it was about the last time we talked to you, maybe during OTAs or whatever, but you've got some new pieces. Um, the talent speaks for itself. 
but you had said it could be, particularly in this defense, maybe a little bit complex in terms of getting all the moving parts working, you know, and synchronizing all of that. So in light of that, how vital are these training camp sessions? Uh, these training camp sessions are extremely vital. Uh, they, th this is where, this is just an extension of what we did in the off season, and we had, you know, pretty good attendance in the off season. Uh, but here you're really building on that foundation that we laid uh, back in April, May, and June. So uh, for the fact that we are bringing everybody together now, it's important that a lot of things we talked about back in the spring, that now we're getting a chance to reinforce those with different rules. The rules in the off-season program are kind of prohibitive in some ways when it comes to what you're trying to get accomplished. But in and, and, and training camp, the reins are kind of taken off and you can really get after it a little bit, you know, being able to wear pads, uh, being able to tackle uh, some of the things that we have to be able to do when we start playing games. So uh, training camp is extremely important to any success we expect to have in 2022 uh, as we're trying to put everything together. Now that we're six months removed from the 13 seconds, and I, I know you've reflected on it, but as you sit here now, <laughs> have you officially filed it in the wastebasket and moved on from it? Yeah, say, I think you have to, man. I think you have to move on. Uh, it's so important um, this season and what we're trying to get accomplished uh, that you're locked in and focused on what we're doing in 2022. Uh, this season, uh, there are so many variables that will come up along the way that if you're distracted in any form or fashion, it's going to detract from what you're trying to get accomplished now. So uh, it's in my rearview mirror. Uh, as I said, back in the spring, you learn and you move on, and that's where we are. You know, we're really focused on the task at hand, and, and we've got a great opportunity in front of us, uh, but we just got to make sure we take care of training camp and do it the right way. Von Miller's always played a lot of sacks, and you've been in a heavy rotation on your D-line. How do you weigh those two things? Have you had conversations with him about what the plan would be, or is that going to evolve over time? Yeah, that's a really good question. That's something we talked about early on uh, when uh, he decided to sign uh, with, with our organization that uh, he's a guy who's had a lot of heavy snaps in ball games and doesn't come off the field a whole lot, whereas, like you mentioned, you know, we are a rotational system uh, defensive line, and Eric Washington uh, has done a great job with our D-line and now with his assistant, Marcus West. Uh, they'll continue to do a great job. Uh, of keeping guys fresh so that when we get to the fourth quarter, they can rush, uh, you know, when we have a lead. So, you know, we, we had some discussions with Vaughn about that. I think he understands our philosophy, and we just will come to a happy medium of, of what's best uh, for him, what's best for our defense as well. In the offseason, do you uh, spend some time maybe after free agency and the dust personnel dust is settled where you, like, put some defensive assistant on a project, okay, these couple days or this week, you study the McVay offense. You, you know, take a look at Mike McDaniel in the San Francisco uh, to, um, I don't know, get a get a baseline of uh, prepping for the early part of the season. Yeah, we'll 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 have some projects marked for uh, that different coaches will take uh, in the off season. Uh, for us, you know, each position coach has a, an area uh, where they're an expert in. For example. Uh, our defensive back coach, John Butler, his area is third down in two minutes. He will put something together in the offseason where he studied maybe other teams third down in two minutes. Um, Jimmy Salgado, who's now uh, working with our safeties, uh, he's our red zone expert. He'll put something together regarding red zone and on and on. So, uh, also geared toward what the opponents you're going to see. 
Maybe. Some, some. We'll do some, some, some things specific to our opponents, but also with the league as well, just to see what trends are, are, are occurring as well. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll do some projects in that way. Yeah. Lee, going back to Vaughn, you know, you, we can look at his resume and we can see all of the accolades that he's had, and he's said, and, you know, we've heard from others that he's a great leader. But is there anything that we don't know about him that he brings your team, or are there any attributes that he has that maybe we can't see on the field? The, you know, we've only been together a short period of time, but one of the intangibles that I, I observed back in the spring was just how he interacted with our guys from a leadership standpoint around the locker room, uh, on the field. Uh, sometimes when you are so much better than everybody else, um, things come easy to you. So you may have some disdain for guys who may not get it as quickly as you do. Uh, but Vaughn, he's so open to helping the young guys and giving back and, and really trying to bring guys along. And that's, that's what you want out of your, your top players. And so that was really encouraging to see. And that's an intangible that I think will help us. Uh, for example, uh, he has a, a rush clinic uh, with, with defensive linemen in the, in the offseason, the top guys uh, from top around the league. And he invited uh, Greg Russo, uh, A.J., uh, Ed Oliver, invited those guys up there, and they had a chance to be around some of the great uh, defensive ends and defensive tackles in our league. And uh, that may not have, have occurred if he were not a part of our team. So moments like that, you know, it's just giving back to our players. Uh, those are the intangibles, I think, that will, will help us be a, a, a better group. You were somewhat uncomfortable with committing to Trey in his rookie season. And I know there's a hesitancy to, to throw rookies into the starting lineup early. What does Kair, in this sense, and to a lesser degree, Dane, have to show you in the event Trey isn't ready for the season? Man, John, that's going back some years. Uh, Trey Davis, uh, as a rookie, uh, he did a great job for us as a rookie, and you know I think Kyra will as well. Uh, but there, you know, always is some trepidation when you are a rookie and potentially having to start, especially at the corner position, where you know early on people are going to target you, and you have to be able to stand up early on. Otherwise, they continue. Uh, so, uh, you know, we're confident uh, that he's going to play well for us. We're confident he's going to come along and grow. Uh, you know, we need to see how he progresses. Uh, throughout training camp, and uh, he's excited for this opportunity. He's looking forward to it, uh, but so are we. You know, we're looking forward to watching his maturation over over time. But uh, we're looking forward to his progress. With your Davis sideline, it almost forces extra reps. You know, for Kyrie and Dane, is that maybe a little blessing in disguise in the long run? Could be. Uh, you know, you'd love to have a healthy Davis for sure, uh, and out there getting his reps. But uh, short of that. Uh, you're right. That, that means there'll be more opportunities for Kyrie, there'll be more opportunities for Dane as well, and even for some of the guys that are in backup roles, like a Tim Harris, for example. Uh, so they'll get more reps. So uh, we'll get a chance to take a look at some guys, and the preseason will be good for that. What's the challenge of preparing, especially for a team like the Rams, going into the regular season, not knowing if Tredavious at this point will be ready or not, and trying to formulate and build this defense over the next month or so, not knowing if you'll have your number one corner or not? Yeah, it's for us, John. You really have to operate. You like to believe that Tre'Davious is going to make it, but it, you have to prepare in case he doesn't. So we're getting Kerr ready. We're, we're getting Dane ready. We're trying to get Tim ready. We're trying to get the other guys that are going to be playing a position ready, just in case. You know, ideally, we, we want Tre'Davious to be ready to go. 
Uh, but at the same time, we got to be prepared if for some reason he's, he's not there. Lastly, um, with, with Tremaine Edmonds, he's going into you know his free agent year here. He has not been excited or signed to an extension. Don't know where that's going to go. But I know you guys have loved him since day one. What does he have to do to solidify a future with the Bills beyond 2022? Well, I, th I think on the football field, he's done an exceptional job for us. And I mean, he's a high character guy off the field. Um, Tremendous leader, tremendous player, pro bowler. Um, you know, Brandon is probably the better guy for that question from a football standpoint. You know, as a, as a coach, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more. He's, he's continued to, you know, grow and get better, and that's what you want to see out of your, your player, especially such a young player as, as Tremaine. I mean, he's, he's still maturing, still growing into uh, what he's going to become. So uh, his best football is still ahead of him, by, you know, and, and he's – he has not reached his peak at any by any means. Uh, he's getting better, you know, every single year, or every single day. So just looking forward to him continuing to grow. And and Brandon and Sean, they'll handle the contract part of it. How do you think the uh, increase of like two high coverages against teams like Kansas City, you know, which saw it a lot more, uh, and superstar quarterbacks, uh, you know, does that impact uh, Tremaine's role? You know, given the fact there's one less person in the box. Some of the time. Yeah, um, you know, it, it seems there are some teams that are playing more split safety with your right to, to certain quarterbacks, and you almost have to do that with the way the game is uh, really changed when it comes to the passing game. But how that affects your middle linebacker, probably uh, the coverage aspect, you know, it puts a little bit more on that guy from a coverage standpoint, but it also stresses him a little bit more in the run game because now you don't have one of those safeties in the box as much. Uh, uh, so you, you kind of look for a little bit different linebacker than you did 10 or 15 years ago because of the way the game has evolved. So uh, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if you have the right middle linebacker, and I think we do. Going back to Tremaine, you know the last two years it's been he needs to improve his big plays, those splash plays. Is that something you can teach? Is there a drill for that? Is that something you can work on? Or is that just something kind of like a clutch? Like you just either have it or you don't. Can that be taught? I, I think it can. I think um, the more confidence you gain and the more opportunities that are presented, then you make those plays when those opportunities are presented. And you really have to visualize yourself uh, being in those positions to make those plays. Tremaine is capable, uh, and he's going to make those big plays for us this season, which will help know propel us to another level um, so yeah I think you can uh, grow into that mature into that and become that type of player for sure looks at some injuries in Arizona what did you uh, see from him there on tape as you uh, were scouting out for free agency and what have you talked to him about about uh, how he can uh, you know be the what he was when the last time you had him you, you hit the key for us, uh, Mark. When he was here, he was such a dominant player for us. I mean, he was right on the, the verge of being a double-digit sack guy in the interior, which is hard to do. And so we want to capture that. We want to recapture that and, and get him back to that, that place. And he had a great spring for us. He did a terrific job this offseason away from the building. He came back in great shape. Talked to Eric Shiano, our strength coach, uh, when we did the conditioning test. Uh, Jordan was off the charts and saw him this morning in the weight room. He's the first guy in the weight room uh, this morning on, on our team. So uh, his mindset and his focus is where, where it needs to be. So we expect 
uh, someone similar to what we had a couple years ago when he was here or even better uh, with his focus and his attention to detail. So I don't think there's a whole lot that we have to say. Uh, it's just a matter of him going out and doing what he does. He's more than capable of dominating games. All right, that's defensive coordinator Leslie Frazier addressing the media earlier today. And as you heard him say there, Jordan Phillips, his conditioning was off the charts, according to the strength and conditioning staff, after they have the conditioning test here as soon as players reported on Saturday. We will break here, but when we come back, we'll be joined by NFL Network analyst Mike Giardi, who spends an awful lot of time covering the AFC East. Mike joins us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collida Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to Bills Training Camp. Chris Brown here with you on One Bills Live. Second half of the show underway, and we want to get to the phones here really quick at 803-0550, asking you what you think the focus of the Bills should be here at training camp. And leading us off here is Judy in Buffalo. And let me see, did I get her? I can't pull her up here. Hold on a second. There she is. Judy, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Bills need to develop a pass rush. The lack of a pass rush cost them the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I'm not sure Von Miller is the answer. Somebody's got to coach up Russo, Basham, Epinesa, and uh, it's the answer to the success for the year. The Bills have to go 5-2 and two in the first seven games, and without a pass rush, that's not going to happen. All right. I appreciate it, Judy. Thanks very much. Appreciate the call, as always. Uh, yeah, I mean, pass rush is pretty obvious. And, yeah, I don't think they can put all the, all the eggs in Von Miller's basket. They've got to get improvements from Rousseau and Basham, as well as Epinesa. But I think Jordan Phillips could be a pleasant surprise on the interior as far as a pass rush goes. Watching that guy today, he looks regular season ready right now. We want to uh, not make our next guest on the air wait any longer. From NFL Network, it's Mike Giari. Mike, thanks for sli- – you're doing the Chris Collins yeah, yeah, slide here. Not, Look at you. Not nearly as smooth. <laughs> well, the chair doesn't have that's, wheels, that's so that's not really fair to you. Uh, but thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Did you? Is this your first camp this summer? Uh, that you're yes. hitting. Yeah, first, first team. Okay. First one. Uh, great environment, right? I mean, yeah. and the weather was awesome today. Oh my gosh, no course. humidity. Yeah, that's that's what I've been uh, looking for for the last couple of weeks here with the weather's been crazy. So, why don't you just tell me cuz I know you're it's hard cuz you guys, you got to it's like a fly-by-night thing. You swoop in, you're mm-hmm. out, you go to the next one, rinse, wash, rinse, repeat. Maybe something that just caught your eye today just watching practice. I I just like to see players grow over time, right? And and we look at Josh, the player, and you say, Josh has really grown into be a superstar, right? But I also, it's his personality. It's the way he leads. And you can see his stature sort of grow within the organization, within the huddle. Guys respect him. He says something, they do it. And then you see someone like Stefan Diggs, who I was just mentioning this on the air on NFL Network. You know, when he got traded here, people wondered, is this going to work? Is Stefan Diggs going to embrace being in Buffalo and – Josh Allen guy is a 59% passer in year two. Is that going to yeah. work, right? And then they have this great chemistry. They have this great relationship. But now to see Stefan sort of take on that role of leading that wide receiver room and, and being a vocal guy. And 
Uh, I mean, he's always had that in him. Obviously, we've seen it at various times. But, yeah. again, to sort of just grow into being a leader and be comfortable with that, knowing that not everyone's going to love what I say sometimes, but I've been through it, yeah. and, and this is how I think it should be done. I don't know if ironic is the word, but I think the anticipation was, well, is this going to work? Receivers like him can be divas. Mm-hmm. He wants Adam Minnesota because they run the ball too much, and he wants the ball more. And so he comes here, and I think there's this – trepidation like there could be a diva coming to buffalo and today he's talking to the media after practice and he's saying i don't care about my numbers i want you know if we got to spread the ball around because i'm giving opportunities to other guys because i'm drawing attention that's fine i only got one goal in mind it's just like that's kind of the antithesis of a diva receiver right you you love to hear it and then you're going to love to see if it plays out that way right right and i think to this point in buffalo it, it has played out that way and he's a smart guy he looks at his room and he says Gabe Davis is blossoming right before our eyes, um, and, and everybody saw it on national TV in the playoffs when he scores four touchdowns, but he's carrying himself differently. Gabe is. Like, there's a confident player there. Dawson Knox, after all the injuries and sort of the inconsistency he developed last year, and so there's all these different pieces. He knows, like, if we're going to be great, yeah, it's because this guy's going to have a good season, and this guy it can't just be me. If I'm catching 130 passes but Dawson has a down year and Gabe doesn't develop into what he thinks – then we're probably not going to be the team that we we think we are. James Cook stands out to me. Does he stand out to you? I mean, it's only two days, but I'm like, this guy looks different. He does. He he just moves differently than, I guess, in the last few years, any back that Buffalo's had here. It just looks effortless. Yep, it really does. It looks smooth. I know Diggs was asked at the podium, like, does he remind you of Dalvin at all? And there are some similarities. And if you – there are some similarities. Let's yeah. just put it that way. I don't want to put too much on the kid because, as you said, it's day two. They're not even in full pads. He's had some injury history in college. Yep. Hasn't had to be the guy all the time. But the way he moves and the things that you think about that he could do in this offense and the, maybe the thing that they've been lacking in this offense, he seems to fit perfectly. Yeah. I was just talking about it with one of our callers on the show, the pass rush. And while Von Miller – draws all the headlines and all and presumably all the attention from opposing offensive lines they can't put all their eggs in that basket they have to get you know upward trends in their play consistency chiefly from Rousseau and Basham and Epinesa on the other side and then I think a wild card in this is Jordan Phillips who the last time he was in a Bills uniform had a nine and a half sack season Mm -hmm. Um, and was instrumental in some key wins down the stretch, like at Pittsburgh on Sunday night in 2019 that helped them clinch a playoff berth. Uh, What do you think about maybe some of those interior guys? Because I think they're a more athletic defensive interior than they've been in recent years where they've had more of the plugger types. I I haven't talked to Brandon about that, but that's a very good point and something I would like to ask him because it does seem like maybe that was part of the focus here in the last 12 months or so to get a little bit more athletic there. And then you mentioned Vaughn. To me, one of the big things with Vaughn is going to be, can you convince him that he doesn't need to be out there for 80% of the snaps? Yeah. I, I was just talking to Brandon about it earlier because Leslie addressed it this morning, as you know, and he said, look, we've talked about it. We'll figure it out. My thinking is, and I think even Peter King wrote about this in his Football Morning in America column, my thinking is similar. When they're up 15 or 17 on a come, team, come yeah, stand next to you're me, done yeah. for this week. Yeah. Come sit down, play 40 snaps this week. Because when we play the Ravens and we're in a tight one, we're going to need you for 65 or 70. And I, I think they're hoping that they can kind of pace him through the season. This team invests a lot in sports science, and they actually paced digs through the season last year. Josh kind of revealed it 
after a game because he didn't. He was trying to get him 100 catches at the right. end of the season for that bonus in his contract, and he was just force-feeding <laughs> him like crazy in that game. And he said, yeah, he goes, Stefan probably would have been here sooner, but we were kind of pacing him through the season. It was very eye-opening to me. I was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Because in 2020, he had the ab in the oblique sure, injury, yep. and it slowed him down, and he was overworked, and Beasley the same thing. Yep. So I th- I'm wondering if there's a sports science element to pacing Vaughn through the year, so they have a 33-year-old that's still primo yeah. in the playoffs. You put that on the spreadsheet. You throw it in front of him. You put it on the big screen, if you will. Like, hey, look. If this you, will happen. This. <laughs> and I think maybe last year they can lean on that experience, too. Like, hey, you, it wasn't going great in Denver at the end, and it, there was a little bit of a slow transition with the Rams. But then as the season went on, you played some less snaps that you were a little bit more explosive in January and February. And I think that's – look – they brought him here to be the closer. Yeah. I mean, not that he's still not an every-down player, but they brought him to be the closer. They brought him to be the guy that can get Pat Mahomes off the field. And you need him to be as fresh and explosive as possible in January and February. And, I mean, that's part of the selling point to them that they're just going to have to keep preaching with him. And, and look, the attention, that, as you mentioned, he's going to get all this attention. Then it really is incumbent upon Rousseau or Basham, Epinesa, or all three of them, whoever, to emerge. Yeah. You're going to get singled. You got to beat the single with regularity, and right. if you beat the single with regularity, guess what? Then Vaughn's going to start to get some singles, or maybe they're not going to work, concentrate so much on the interior guys. And Jordan breaks free for a play here or a play there, and I think that's that's critical as you're building that group. And we know they like to rotate, so yeah. it's all part of the plan. I think they just got to convince the the big dog that that's the right thing to do. Right. Quick rip, whip around through the AFCs because you kind of have to keep your ear to the ground on all of that stuff while we can deal with Bill's myopia here. Um, Going, when you go to New England, mm-hmm. what is going to be kind of the thing at the top of your list to drill down on? Twofold, the coaching element with the offense. For people that don't know, yeah, Josh McDaniels right, is in Vegas. He's the head coach now. And there is no coordinator. And that's not uncommon for Belichick. He's done this before. He did it with Josh when Josh transitioned from a regular coach into being the coordinator. They just didn't give him the title. Bill O'Brien, when he took over for Josh, when Josh went to Denver as the head coach, same thing. But the... People that they're using in that position, Joe Judge, who's coached wide receivers for a single year and was a special teams coach for the Patriots before he became the head coach of the Giants, and Matt Patricia, who I believe coached the offensive line as an assistant in 2005 and then has been defense ever since. Uh Those are the guys that we're eyeballing right now as the guys that are going to be calling the plays. Um, We even saw Belichick at times in the OTAs relaying the play to Mac Jones. So that is, I think, critical because we can all agree you want consistency with your young quarterback. The Bills were able to do that with Brian Dable uh, for four years with Josh, and they had a plan for Josh, and it mm-hmm. developed. Uh, I'm really curious to see how that plays out. And I, I think the other thing for me is just J.C. Jackson walks out the door. They didn't go get another big-time corner. They didn't even go get a medium-sized corner. They went sort of bargain basement. Malcolm Butler didn't play last year. Uh, we know his history with New England. but. Yeah. I mean, he missed a full season. He's there. He could make the team and be their number one corner. He could get cut. I, I don't. I wow. really. I don't know how that's going to play out. He's he's been away for a while. Terrence Mitchell, they signed from Houston. They drafted a couple kids, Marcus Jones out of Houston and Jack Jones from Arizona State. Same thing. Like Jack Jones has caught my eye a little bit. That maybe he okay. might be. He's a fourth round pick. Maybe he got undervalued there, and All maybe right. he's a better player. But again, that's you yeah. turned it over. You want to play man to man. Bills always want to play man to man. Uh, right now, I don't know that he has the corners to do it. Yeah. Unless one of these young guys develop and Malcolm or Mitchell can play. 
in Miami after Tua, what what's the next yeah, thing? Yeah, Tua, there? right? It's Tua's one, wait, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked that to death. Yeah. So I was figuring, well, what comes after that, no, if anything? To me, it's it's Mike McDaniel. What kind yeah. of coach is he? It's all great now, and he's different, and people are feeding into that, and he's got a unique personality. That's fine, but can he command the room, especially when? As you know, in an NFL season, even teams like the Bills or Patriots, you go through a lull. They hit a lull. They lose a couple games. The guys look at them and go, who's this, who's this guy? <laughs> like, okay, it was funny and cute when we were winning, but now, like, yeah. do I respect that guy? The luster and you is even, off. You even heard still the rumors about Peyton, right? Sean Peyton right. considering, and, you know, so is this guy a placeholder? Who, who, who knows? But right. I'm really curious to see what he does there because I like obviously I like the personality it's different we're not used to it from a head coach but I'm I'm curious to see how that plays and a heck of a draft in New York for the Jets but are all those guys going to reach critical mass in year one probably not but what do what do we have to look for there I mean we're back to the quarterback I'm guessing again like Zach Wilson's got to take a step here yeah he definitely has to take a step I think they were pleased with the way he played down the stretch albeit not in Buffalo but I think there was better decision making and a little bit better accuracy over those final five or six games. I think they'd like him to rely on his athleticism a little bit more. Okay. I think he was, after he got hurt against the Patriots, I think he, when he came back he was trying to convince himself to stay in the pocket, which led to more sacks and actually more hits. Okay. I think he's someone who, because of the, his ability to kind of throw off platform and his athleticism, that could probably be a little bit more dynamic if he got out of the pocket. And I think Robert Sala is an interesting one for me because defensive guy, I thought his defense wasn't very good last year. Yeah. Some of that is personnel, and they've addressed some of that, but they had some pieces, and I'm just, you know, if, if that's what you came in, in known for and that doesn't perform well, if it starts off slowly there again, I wonder. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting division, to say the least. Yes. Um, be interesting to see how it stacks up, hopefully behind the Bills. Uh, every, bills and everybody else would be a nice way for it to I, I would be surprised. We're a little, we're a little biased I, I know, here. but I would be surprised if it's not. Yeah. I mean, the, the, look, there would – some things would have to go wrong, yeah. I think. But I think a lot of way. people, not only because they want to see it, but think it, it may happen because of what has failed to happen in New England. I think they're looking for a slide from, from the Patriots a little bit, not to the basement of the division, but maybe behind Miami if Miami can th- put some things yeah. together. If you, so. if you ask me right now, I'd say they're an eight-win team, the Patriots. Now, yeah. if Mac elevates and some of these guys that I'm not sure can play or still have anything left in the tank, if those guys can play, maybe it's a nine or a ten. But yeah. right now, Mm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not what you want going into, going into the regular season. Mike, thanks for joining Thank us. Good to see always. you out here at Bills Camp. We'll catch up with you down the line in the regular season. That's Mike Giardi from NFL Network. We take a break. We're back with more here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're back here at training camp, breaking it down for you here on One Bills Live on a Tuesday, or what is it? It's Monday. I was working yesterday on a Sunday. I am all screwed up already. Um, I don't even know what day it is. That usually doesn't happen until I'm four or five days into training camp. I'm already out of sorts. Uh, It is Monday here at training camp. It is day two with day one happening on Sunday. Wanted to get back to some of your thoughts on the tweet sheet today as we were asking you what should be the main focus for the Bills during this year's training camp. We've heard pass rush. We've heard getting Kair Elam ready to start because there are some of you out there that are not expecting Tredavious White to be ready for week one. I hope you're wrong. 
But let's go back to the tweet sheet and get some of your thoughts there. Gabe says, like Diggs said this morning, stacking good days and building the foundation of the team's identity. Because like Josh said, it's a new group with new challenges and nothing is set from last year or for next year. Yeah, that's right. I mean, Josh is kind of stating the obvious a little bit. Every year the team is different. You get about a 25 to 30% turnover in this league on rosters. So, yeah, it is very much a new team. I heard Brandon Bean say the first day of camp, twenty or maybe it was Sean, he said only 25% of the roster has been to Bill's training camp here at St. John Fisher from the 2019 training camp. That just gives you an idea on how much the roster does turn over. So, yeah, uh, I would say, yeah, there will be new challenges. We know that every NFL season has peaks and valleys. So when they hit the valley, can they minimize the damage and pull themselves out of it sooner rather than later? They had some one-week hiccups last year against Jacksonville and against Indianapolis. They righted the ship soon thereafter. They're going to have to do the same when maybe they come out and don't perform at their level best. So, yes, that requires a new kind of identity each and every year because the team is new. Josh on the tweet sheet says, focus on being patiently urgent. Take one session at a time, one snap at a time, one meeting at a time. Take it seriously. Take it to heart. Attack the challenges presented each day. Be present. Be focused. Be ready. I think this is a lot of what Sean McDermott has preached from the day that he got here. And fortunately for him, now entering year six, it's almost automatic. There is so much of this roster that knows how trusting the process works that putting it into action is almost reflexive. It's a reflex, not something they have to ardently work at. Uh, Certainly the new guys are getting adjusted to the way the daily operation goes with this club, but for the vast majority of this roster, it is wash, rinse, and repeat. It is just old hat. They do it every single day. It's not, an, it's not a heavy lift by any means, and that's why this team has been, more often than not, so consistently good over the last five years. All right, we'll get to back to more of your thoughts on the tweet sheet a little bit later in the show. We have to take a break here, but when we return, my colleague, Bill's reporter, Maddie Glab, will join us. We'll get some of her thoughts on her day two observations, and day one for that matter, uh, from here at St. John Fisher University, Bill's training camp, among some other subjects, including... Some of the comments we did not have time to bring you on Dawson Knox about his future as a Buffalo Bill. He is entering the final year of his rookie contract this season. All of that coming your way next with Matty Glab here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Tasker, who has been all over the field. Kind of unique. He was kind of a dual-role player for you. Steve. A balloon. Steve. A blimp. <laughs> We're not even in the stratosphere of normalcy. All right, welcome to our number three of a special three-hour edition of One Bills Live. Chris Brown, joined by Bills reporter Maddie Glab, as uh, we've been 
kind of shoulder to shoulder on the sidelines here the last or the first two days of training camp and um it's been fun we got some got some guys dancing out there today <laughs> that was the defensive linemen were feeling it um you can go to the Bills' social media site and catch some of their moves. Uh, Von Miller was kind of leading the charge there, uh, but Ed Oliver was getting into mm-hmm. it. Jordan Phillips was moving around a bit. There were some others. I, I, <laughs> was there a little electric slide in there? I think there, there was. was. Ed's always been a dancer during practice, Ed Oliver, and I think he finally has his mate to dance next to, and it's Von Miller. So I'm, I'm glad those two already have some chemistry a brewing and building during training camp. It's been fun to watch Von get in the fold with the defensive line. It's been cool to listen to a lot of the players, and Leslie Frazier spoke about it this morning. You know, some guys, when they're coming onto a new team, they want to get their own stuff down first. They want to learn a new defense, a defense that isn't the easiest to pick up here uh, before kind of helping other people along. And Leslie said that Vaughn's been arms wide open to helping all of these young guys who are eager to learn from a star like Vaughn Miller. Maybe some dance moves too, right? Right. And I think we also know that Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson are two quote-unquote energy guys. Yeah. Uh, so they're not shy i still remember them mugging to the camera on the thanksgiving game in dallas you know doing the zeke elliott you know feed me feed me uh move and you mentioned the last time we saw like the entire d-line it wasn't the entire d-line today but there was a camp practice in 2019 where the entire d-line was i don't know if it was electric slider if they were just dancing around freestyling whatever um but but you were brought back to that moment today at camp when you saw us on the d-line that's the first dancing. thing i thought of yeah because we've seen that on social media a couple of times somebody even revived it saying i'm ready for camp and they put that clip up that's a great clip showing everybody dancing around uh, we played por- a portion of Dawson Knox's mm-hmm. interview here earlier in the show. We ran out of time because Brandon Bean showed up. Um, but the part that we missed was pretty important. It was concerning the future of Dawson Knox because he is entering the final year of his rookie deal here in 2022. So why don't you share with us what he said concerning his future as a Buffalo Bill? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you blink and it's Dawson Knox's fourth year. Someone said, Dawson, you're going into year four before they asked their question. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, of course I knew it, but it... In that moment, I had forgotten it for a second. Can't believe that he's going into the final year um, of his rookie deal. But he he was asked about, okay, extension. It's, it's time to talk about those things. I'm sure you've thought about those things already. And he quickly said, you know, I'll let Brandon Bean handle that. That's not that's not my, my deal to do. Um, but he was asked about it later on in the press conference and opened up a little bit and said, look, I would love to be here. I want to be here. I've verbalized that. My agent knows that I would like an extension here. And, hey, I just bought a house in Orchard Park uh, a couple months ago or a couple weeks ago. Can't remember what he said. But he said, I didn't buy a house just to, you know, buy a house for a year. Well, right, especially going into the last year of a contract. He wants to be here for multiple years. I think he – and you get the sense of, like – of that when you talk to him, when you have a conversation with him. Um, I got to follow him around at media day this year and I was together with him for like an hour and a half um, and he was talking about getting that house and and just really wanting to be here. I don't think that's a shock to anybody um, that's a fan of this team, that covers this team, that's on this team. Um, 
I think he's he's ready to put down roots here in Buffalo and Orchard Park. Um, he is, he enjoys the community. He enjoys his teammates. He enjoys this team, and he kind of strikes you as the guy that if he likes somewhere, he's he's good to be there for as long as he can be. The reason that fans get concerned is because they see the contracts that other tight ends sign, the most recent of which is the Browns tight end, David Njoku, who earlier this offseason signed a four-year deal worth $54.75 million with almost an $11.5 million signing bonus. And so they say, oh, my gosh, because we know how contracts work, Matty, for premier tight ends. They don't go down. They go up, just like everything else. So... I think they know that with Josh's contract starting to balloon next year, Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, Devin Singletary, all these other young core-type players in the pipeline for new deals, they see bigger deals elsewhere, and they worry, are they going to be able to fit all these guys in? But there's a sense that I have that Knox is going to be a major priority amongst that group of players that we're talking about. I think it's Oliver and Knox first, and then everybody else after that in all likelihood that at least that's how i see it i don't i would agree with that and knox is going to get what he deserves because he's in a he's a great tight end and he proved that this past season and is going to continue to prove that this season but when you look at money and salary cap and you start to you know crunch the numbers knox also strikes me as the type of player that is going to be okay with taking a team-friendly deal okay I don't think he's going to – you want to get what you can get, of course, in your in yeah. your second contract um, as an NFL player, um, and deservingly so because of what he's been able to uh, put on paper, put on film. Um, but I think when you're looking at numbers and maybe how much he wants to be here, I think he really wants to be here. So, so maybe a Matt Milano-type contract. Yeah. Is what you're thinking. A team-friendly yeah, type that. deal, whether it's the money kicks in later or however Brandon Bean wants to, you know, organize something like that. Yeah, I think his agent will fight for appropriate money for totally. his production. And, you know, he is coming off a nine-touchdown season last year, which was one off the team lead. So I think it was Diggs with 10. And, yeah, but I think we there's a good chance we could be looking at top 10 at his position type money. Uh, which can get expensive. But as we know, you can structure things creatively and make it work. So hopefully that is, in fact, the case. Um, what about through two days? What If you had to give the top things that have stood out to you on the field specifically, maybe not anything anybody said, but yeah. strictly from the field, knowing that a lot of our listeners can't get here and view it themselves, what might be a couple of things that have caught your eye over the first two days? I think defense has had a really strong two days. Mm -hmm. Um, They definitely popped today. Uh, I know you tweeted it out, so did I. They had four interceptions. Nick McLeod had two of of those four. Um, Dane Jackson had a really nice pass breakup. So did Taron Johnson. So it's been nice to see the defense shine, and usually they do early on in training camp. But with as good as... With as good of an offense that we have here, you look back to practices last year, and 
it's the offense would normally dominate practices. Not saying that the defense isn't good because the defense was number one in the league last year, but the offense is a really good offense. And so it's it's nice to see the defense get off to a little bit of a hot start in training camp here uh, with some new faces on uh, the defense as well. But when you look at the offense, it's been fun to see some of the new players get involved right away. And I'm talking about James Cook and Khalil Shakir. Um, they've been handed the ball quite a bit. Um, it's been nice to see James Cook involved um, uh, in the passing game end of things. Um, he, When he has the ball in his hand, I, he looks like he's floating out there. I don't know if that's the perfect terminology, yeah. but he's just very smooth with the ball in his hands, with the routes that he can run. Um, you know, you label him as a running back. He's got some great skill sets as a re- great skill sets as a receiver, and you can see that already uh, in day one, day two of training camp. He learned at Georgia, and he was he was involved in the mix a lot there. Had to wait his turn, like we've talked about before. Um, but I think he's going to be an uh, important piece to the offense this year, no matter how much they use him. When he's on the field, you're going to have to account for him. And then Khalil Shakir, a, a guy who Brandon Bean has kind of talked about as being a steal in the draft for him, somebody that was sticking out on the draft board when they were able to draft him, they might have a thing for wide receivers. Gabe Davis, Khalil Shakir. Right. Um, are, are, Fourth this, round, fifth yeah. round. <laughs> is this going to be another player? Maybe doesn't turn out to be exactly like Gabe Davis, but somebody who, who they think uh, great value for, for where they got him uh, in the NFL draft. He had some great routes that he ran today, uh, ended practice with an awesome catch. It came from Matt Barkley, I believe. He was um, pretty tightly covered there. I can't remember who was guarding him on that last play, but, but had a great catch and had a couple really nice catches today. So I've enjoyed seeing some of the younger players get involved right away. Um, of course, you've had your Stefan Diggs catches and your Gabe Davis catches and Isaiah McKenzie has been involved and so is Jameson Crowder. Um, names that you would expect to see in training camp on the first couple of days, uh, but those are just a couple other names that stood out in my opinion. Yeah, and I think the word you used for Cook when you tweeted was smooth. I used fluid and that's kind of what I don't know, he just kind of He's, he just kind of glides around. He makes it look and he, easy. Yeah, it's effortless for him, and it's just extraordinary athletic ability that allows him to do that. You mentioned Shakir. I know I did too. Um, I think what it is with him is there's just this – I don't want to say he rounds off routes, which, you know, receivers, they almost tell you never to do that. I just think he's he's another fluid guy in space, and – he has a feel for coverage, it seems, even though he's a very young player. So he knows where to sit. He recognizes zone quickly and says, all right, here's the void in the defense. I'm going to sit here. And for a rookie, and I know it's not totally real football yet, and maybe when it gets more physical, maybe those releases don't come as easily because he's not a big guy. But right now, he gets off the line, he gets into his route quickly, and he makes a decision in the snap of a finger. And not all young receivers are able to do that this early in their career against a defense with this kind of athleticism. So to see that in the early going, I think, is, is definitely uh, an encouraging sign. We see, um, Maddie, there's still some moving parts going on right now on the offensive line with Roger Saffold mm-hmm. out. They actually add a guard today. We had Bean on earlier today. He said, yeah, it's it's due mainly to Saffold's absence mm-hmm. to get Jordan Simmons in here at the guard position to kind of help 
keep the numbers up so people don't get overtaxed and then you can be susceptible to injuries. But we see them moving people through. Like Cody Ford, you know, was kind of getting some reps early. Then we saw David Kessenberry, who was playing tackle, now playing some guard. So mm-hmm. he's shown some position flexibility. And, and Tommy Doyle's been Tommy moved Doyle around, too. in there, too. Yeah, this is the time to rotate guys to see who fits in at what position, uh, to see who's comfortable where, um, to start to get down your, your final five, if you want to call it that. Um, but going back to something that Leslie Frazier said today, he was asked about some of the younger safeties and how he feels – about their comfortability of, of, of being rolled into things if need be uh, and basically asking, I can't remember who asked it, but, you know, guys like Jaquan Johnson, is it even tough for him because he really doesn't get the reps? And Leslie was like, well, he got the reps during OTAs and mandatory minicamp because Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde were, were in and out of things. Same case could be said for Roger Saffold. Of course, we want him on the field right now. He's a new player, so he needs to learn blocking schemes and things like that. Um, But it gives an opportunity to a younger guy to be able to step up um, and maybe find a depth position in that offensive line room. It's going to be, like the defensive line, a lot of competition there. Those are two position groups that Brandon Bean talked about yesterday when he was asked about where his eyes would be when he's watching practice. And he said the offensive line and defensive line because of the competition that's going to be there. Um, So for guys like Tommy Doyle, um, for guys like Cody Ford, um, who's trying to work back into something, I think these are very very valuable reps early on in training camp um, that who knows if they're going to be there once Roger Saffold or be there as much once Roger Saffold gets back into the mix, which Brandon Bean said he believes that Saffold will be back in the mix before the season begins. Yeah, and, you know, Tommy Doyle, <laughs> the guy had his hands full. I mean, based on the rotations, <laughs> sometimes he saw Greg Rousseau, sometimes he saw Von Miller, and Deion Dawkins much the same. And in the team setting, second day of camp, those guys are flying off the ball. And Dion had his hands full with Vaughn, as you would expect. I say, Vaughn had a pretty good day today. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were actually talking earlier on the show on how he actually had to fall down. He purposely fell down to avoid hitting Josh as he was stepping up in the pocket because it would have been a blistering hit and a sack. And he had to pull up, you know, because, as you know, you can't hit the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So he actually purposely fell on the ground. But he that had, move. But he had beaten um, Dion Dawkins with an inside move which was impressive. I, I can say I have not seen that from a Bills pass rusher in a long time. Uh, just, just the sheer speed off the snap and then the force of the inside stab move to just kind of rock Dion back. And Dion, as we know, is a big guy who was wrecking people late in the season last year, like knocking him out of camera shots. Um, Von, Von got him on that particular play, and, you know, you're going to expect that. I'm not expecting Deion Dawkins to win every snap against Von Miller at all. Um, so he kind of got him on that one. And then Tommy Doyle, you want to talk about dumping in, jumping into the deep end of the pool. It's like, yeah, Tommy. Um, Wake up, you, Tommy. You got about half a dozen snaps against Von today. Go get him. Uh, it's like, what? I didn't <laughs> Two volu- years ago, I was I playing in the Mid-American Conference. What's going on? What are you talking about? Um, so that was interesting, too. Nick McLeod is an interesting case, Matty. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because he got two interceptions today, but he got one while playing corner and one while playing safety. Yes. And and 
you know, we had Brandon on earlier in the show, and he was saying, yeah, we made that decision. We think his long-range position for his career could be safety, and so they're trying him there. Some of the early returns have been very positive, so it's going to be interesting to see what is he. And and here's the other thing, too, Matty, for him in terms of keeping a job on this roster, they're deep at corner and they're deep at safety. So I guess the more you can do, the better chance you have is sticking, but we'll see. And that's exactly what Bean said is this roster, when you whittle it down and we when you start to get to, okay, we have X amount of spots left after these guys are definitely on, it's going to be about – what can you do for us at multiple positions? And he said, if you're looking at the bottom of the roster, these guys better be players that can play at multiple positions and offer us a lot of versatility. Maybe Nick McLeod fits that description for a defensive player. Um, he's listed as a corner on the roster right now. He's a taller corner at six feet tall. We were talking about that today at practice. Yep. Um, so it's, it's what do you want at that position? Um, what do you need out of that group when you're looking at depth? Even now, starting to look at how the roster picture is going to unfold, you can like play mind games with yourself trying to figure out who's going to make uh, the final 53 because it is, it's that good of a roster right now, and, and we've joked about it, and it's not, it's not really a joke. It's for real. Whoever doesn't make it, whoever is going to be on the practice squad, those guys might get scooped up in a quick second yeah. by other teams. It's it's going to be a lot of difficult decisions for sure because I think the roster is as deep as it's ever been. And they are going to cut people that are going to play on other rosters this season. There will be players on this training camp roster for the Bills who will be on a regular season roster somewhere else because you can't keep all, all of them. So it's, it's a quality roster. It's deep. A lot of people nationally consider it one of the deepest rosters in football. And I don't think they're wrong. I don't think they're wrong. Let's go to the phones at 803-0550-1888-550-2550. As we are asking you today, what should be the Bills' focus in this training camp to properly prepare for the 2022 season? We go to Clarence in Buffalo next. Clarence, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I'm listening to the uh, everything about what the Bills need to do in training camp. And as far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's going to be too much of a problem offensively or defensively as far as them meshing together. The thing that I'm more concerned about them is mentally. What are they doing to prepare themselves mentally to get over the hump? And I think that's one of the things that has been holding them back. And I'd like to see them have a little more physicality both offensively and defensively, especially in the offensive line and the defensive lines. So that's where I stand. Now, the mentality, to get the mentality straightened out, way I think that they can go and say, you know, nobody can beat us. And we're not going to let anybody beat us. And we're not going to let anybody push us around. And that's, that's where I stand with that. So I like to just hang up and listen to what you have to say. All right, thanks for the call, Clarence. Appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I think Coach McDermott has always tried to preach that you need to have an edge when we, you play we on it. heard a, the physicality word a lot last yeah, year. physical at the line of scrimmage in particular. Mm-hmm. Win the battle at the line of scrimmage was a common refrain that we heard from Coach McDermott an awful lot last season. And I still remember 
from way back in 2018-2019 where Coach McDermott said, look, we have enough guys here that know how to play this defense. I want to see a little nastiness Mm -hmm. in, in the attitude of this defense. And I think when you have energy players like Jordan Phillips, like Ed Oliver, I I think there is a better chance of seeing more of that surface through the course of the season. They have to be cocky, but, you know, you can be confident and, you know, puff your chest out a little bit sometimes and maybe be a little intimidating, maybe point a finger in a face mask, (laughs) you know. Um, Yeah, we're damn good and we know it. So what are you going to do about it? You know, that kind of attitude. I think there's got to be some of that sometimes. Um, We know, Maddie, the the margins – are very thin in this league from one team to the next, even for some of the best teams in football. Um, you can see a middle-of-the-road team play their best and beat one of the best teams in the league when they're not having a great day. Indianapolis Colts is a prime example last year. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars Ugh. as an unfortunate example from last year. It can happen. So, yeah, I agree with you, Clarence. You've got to have an edge uh, if you're going to make a difference and have the record you need to have come the end of the season to be the number one seed in the AFC. And I think the mentality part for this team, I think that's, I think that's there. I think this team is mature enough uh, as a group to know what they need to do, to know how they need to prepare uh, for an opportunity for a season like this with as, as many expectations as there are on this team. I think they are fired up and pissed off enough based on how last year finished. I know they all say, you know, it's time to turn the page on a new season, but there's still a lot of things that motivate you, whether it's how last season finished or, or whether it's, you know, not making your high school football team, whatever it may be, you, you let those things stay with you in order to give you motivation. Um, so I'm not worried about the mentality of this team at all, and I think you're really going to see that once the season starts. I think the mentality right now is how can we get better every single day? How can I motivate the guys next to me um, to really create an environment of competition as they have these two and a half weeks of camp and they're going up against each other because at some point in time this is going to get they're going to get a little bit tired of playing against each other well yeah (laughs) and you'll you know the after about the first week of camp you get the heavy legs and then yeah you're tired of going against each other you can't wait to get to the preseason to see somebody in a different jersey and a different helmet for sure um but you got to keep on keeping on Speaking of keeping on, we're going to keep on using the phone lines here, and we go to Marie in Amherst next. And let me see, make sure I'm punching this up right. Do we have Marie there? Help me out, guys, if I'm failing on my end. Oh, hello. Hey, Marie, how you doing? Sorry about that. Oh, it's fine. Good. How are you? Good. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. What do you have for us? Oh, okay. Yeah, so I think the main focus for the Bills during this training camp, I think the main focus for the Bills during this training camp should be gelling of the offensive line, um, developing Greg Rousseau more. And I think it really hurt us to lose Wild Goose, Rashad Wild Goose to the Jets. I think that really hurt us. So, you know, to develop young players like that and then to lose him, especially we could use him right now, I think that we're developing a Elijah Griffin, the cornerback. He seemed like he's a tough kid, but he seemed like he's a little rough around edges. So I think he's going to need some molding. But if we could get that offensive line to jail, because 
I'm pretty sure we're going to run the same offense from last year with just a little bit of tweaks. So I think they can catch up with that. But we could get that line going, the offensive line, Greg Rousseau going, and develop more of the young corner to step in and help when they can and get ready because that wild loss did hurt. So that's all I want. All right, Marie. Thank yeah, thanks for the call. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Um, they do have other corners in the pipeline. You know, we already mentioned Nick McLeod, who had a nice day today. You mentioned Elijah Griffin. Um, you got Tim uh, Harris, who is a veteran player that's fighting for a backup job, who's been in the league, you know, a handful of years. So there are other options there. And then the draft pick, Christian Benford, aside from Kyrie Elam. So there are young guys in the pipeline, and this is a coaching staff that has been excellent in their player development. So, yeah, um, I, I'm not I, – I, you know, losing Wild Goose was unfortunate. I don't think it's going to be catastrophic as far as the depth of the roster is concerned. What about the Owen offensive and defensive line there? It's kind of what a lot of people have been yeah, saying. Yeah, the offensive line needs to gel. There's no doubt about that. Um, it's nice that there's a lot of familiar faces in that position group. I think um, the hurdle for them is going to be um, really gelling with their new offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer, and his blocking schemes because we know there's going to be some newness in that Um They've talked about it already. Um, they like what he's doing. So I think uh, that's going to be the learning curve for that group. And I think they should be able to get that stuff down here in training camp. I mean, they've already had OTAs and mandatory mini camp uh, with Cromer. So I expect that group to take a step forward this season uh, because of the guys that we expect to be uh, starting because of the guys that have been on the roster for multiple seasons together um, and because of the offense that they've ran uh, this past past couple years under Brian Dayball we know there's going to be some new tweaks but we know a lot of it will be the same in terms of the defensive line I think Greg Rousseau knows he needs to to take a step forward this season and somebody like Von Miller could really help him with that yeah no doubt about it we have to take a break here but we'll be taking more of your phone calls when we return what do you think the major focus of the bill should be here in this year's Training camp, 803-0550-1888-550-2550, the number to get on board, or hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you when we return here on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All right, it's summer, and Bills head coach Sean McDermott wants us all thinking about sun defense. Coach is passionate about skin cancer prevention as it runs in his family. He takes sun protection very seriously. Most importantly, of course, is wearing sunscreen. Right now, you can stop by your local Wegmans for all of your sun protection needs. Wegmans will donate $1 for every Wegmans sunscreen product sold through August 31st in their Buffalo, Rochester, and Syracuse area stores it's a great way to protect your family help the fight against skin cancer and think sun defense like bill's head coach sean mcdermott we've got a couple of bottles right here and here at training camp wegmans has a tent where they're actually offering some sunscreen products and stuff spraying you up before you come out here for practice so check that out uh they have a sunscreen booth to get you completely covered and protected so check that out. I usually use 30 at least. This is, wow, these are SPF 50. Got the Dang. high test here with us today. Look at that. I'm two for two on putting on sunscreen. Are you 30 or 
I'm I'm thirty. You're kind of fair skinned, so you kind of got to do that a little bit, right? Yeah, I'm I'm tan enough now to where thirty's good. Got a good base from the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah got a I good know. base okay. from Italy and Greece. Come on, Chris. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I usually forget every single day, but I've been good. I have to use thirty, or I'm in I'm in trouble. I will turn into a lobster. So, yeah, that's what I've got to do. Uh, we do want to get back to the phones though, where we're talking training camp focus. For this team, as you see it, the number one focus you think this team has to have to be properly prepared for the 2022 season, 803-0550, the number to get on board, one 888 And we go to Dave on a cell next. Dave, what do you have for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, thank you, Brownie. Hi, Maddie. Uh, look, I, for as much as uh, you know, the defense kind of let us down in 13 seconds, I still think that the O-line is, is – uh, is really what's got to improve. Um, I kind of liked what I saw from uh, the improvement in Doyle and even Backer uh, and Bates last year. Um, I, I think of our offensive line ha- has been sort of a patchwork for the last several years. And, you know, Kyle Brandt kind of had it wrong at the NFL draft when he said the only thing that could stop uh, Josh Allen is a flip of a coin. Well, I just retired and I got to watch uh, uh some reruns on the NFL Network, and guess who did stop us when we won the coin flip last year? Tampa. So, you know, if we get a, a decent running game going when we need to run the ball instead of – or especially when we have to run the ball and, and eat up minutes that way, I think that we protect our quarterback a little bit and maybe keep our defense rested. Anyway, Brownie, I'm going to hang up and let you talk. Okay. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Dave. Um where do you come down on that, Maddie? I like the word that he used, patchwork. I think that is spot on with what the offensive line has looked like the past couple of seasons. Injuries, COVID, guys in and out of lineup. It hasn't been super consistent, which I don't know if that's what you can expect for an offensive line just because of the position that it is um, and, and how guys can get injured in that position group because of what they're doing, what they're carrying, Um I think it's pretty close to spot on. I, if you look at the roster and you look at position groups that really that need to change, not necessarily need to change, but maybe need to take the next step, I think the offensive line needs to do what they were doing consistently last season when the run game started to get going. And, and the run game didn't just get going because of Devin Singletary starting to find the holes or Devin Singletary was starting to be more patient or, or had better looks. It's because the offensive line was there to help guide him along the way. Um, we hear Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott talk about this time and time again. We build from our lines out. That's where we focus on first. That's what we're focusing on in the NFL draft and free agency is line play. What what can we add? That's what we think is very important. Um, and you need an offensive line to be able to do anything on offense. Josh needs it. The running backs need it. The wide receivers need it. Um, so the group that they have, they've brought in a lot of veterans. Uh, they have some young guys. Uh, they have some players who have been consistent for them the last couple of years. Um, I think it's figuring out what does this group look like um, when the whistle blows for the first play of that first game. Yeah, and I think the Aaron Cromer addition as the offensive line coach is a big part of this equation here in terms of helping them take the next step. As you pointed out, the running game kind of, really gained some traction and some consistency in the last six weeks of the regular season. And it, it was one of the main reasons why 
the Bills were not only playing their best football at the end of the year, but they were playing their best balanced football. And I'm not talking 50-50 balance run pass, but the ability to flip to one side of, of play calling to the other at the drop of a hat and be just as effective with the run game as they were with the passing game. And I, you know they want to get back to that. My, my curiosity lies in whether or not Aaron Cromer can diversify and expand the running game into, into something that is even more expansive than what we witnessed down the stretch last season. You know, does the screen game look productive? Can they execute the screen game, which had been a problem for the past two years? Um, are they going to be more outside zone? Are they going to run gap? Are they going to run inside zone? Are they going to run all of the above? Um, that's what I'm curious to see from Aaron Cromer and how he kind of builds this thing out in terms of the run game diversification. You certainly have a bunch of guys that can do several different things out of the backfield. Now do you believe you have a front five and the depth behind them, you know, in the offensive line room to feel comfortable executing anything under the sun with respect to the run game? Cromer certainly has done all of those things in his coaching career. Does he have the horses here to execute those things and be as unpredictable as possible? That's, that's the question that I keep rolling around in my head, and we probably won't know that until we get yeah. into the probably like a good month into the season. Yeah. We'll be closing in on mid-October, I think, before we have a clear picture as to how expansive uh, the run game will be in terms of the things they pick and choose to execute. And people talk about the chemistry of the offensive line and, and why you need chemistry um, for that group. I think it's also about, you know, Spencer Brown's been doing things, but hasn't been involved fully. Uh, Roger Saffold has been on the sidelines watching the group, walking with the group, but not practicing. It's how quick can some of these guys who could be important pieces to the offensive line, how quickly can you fold them into everything and have them start to get used to each other? Because it's Roger's first year on this team. Um, We know he's a veteran player, but he still has to get used to playing in this offense. Spencer's a young player. There's several young guys who could take some reps. Ike Bucker is getting healthier and healthier every day, but um, is he going to be some somebody that they want to fold in as well this season? Yeah, coming off the Achilles, we'll see. We don't really know. That's probably yeah. a long-term mm-hmm. thing, and it'll be interesting to see what happens if he is yet to come even close to, you know, being football ready. Do they go reserve PUP with him, or do they go IR with him? I don't know. I mean, he had the Achilles injury pretty late in the season yeah. last year. We'll have to see. Where that one goes, I mean, but there, as you mentioned, there are several other people to consider, chief among them the guys that aren't participating right now, at least in the team segments of practice, which is Spencer Brown. And then you've also got Roger Saffold, two guys that are going to be in the mix to be among, you know, the starting five. So we'll have to see where it goes from there. A couple other thoughts on the tweet sheet left over in terms of what you think the Bills' focus should be in training camp this summer. Steve says this roster is very deep and elite. All players have bad days, but with this level of talent, they need to have the mindset that they can win on a bad day. With this roster, they can't have a Jacksonville or Indy game. We are deep enough and talented enough to win on a bad day. Now, that's pretty interesting because Steve is talking along the same lines as our caller Marie from earlier. Or Clarence, I'm sorry. Clarence thought it was a mental thing that this team has to get right 
in terms of we're the biggest, baddest dog on the block, and you can't mess with us. And I've had these conversations with Steve because Steve was on a juggernaut team in the early 90s. And he said, look, we had talented guys, but we also had guys who had an attitude. And we'd come walking down that tunnel knowing we were going to win that day. Not hoping, not confident we were going to win. We know we're going to win. And they played like it. And I think that's a little bit of the attitude that this team has to adopt. Because, yes, they are that good. They are, you know, um, infinitely gifted in the talent that they have to offer on this roster. So, yeah, um, you got to be that confident. And then you've got to execute like it each and every week. Don't play down to your level of competition like they did against Jacksonville last year. And Josh said uh, when he talked to the media a couple days ago, he said, I hope by the time we leave training camp, we know what type of team we are on offense and defense. And he was speaking to the identity of the team. You know, uh, every year is a new year. You you welcome new guys to the roster. You say goodbye to other players. Um, and so there is a, a feel of a new identity. A lot of things could carry over from last season. Um, but you look back to the team last season and, and them really figuring it out um, during that Bucks game uh, coming out of halftime, even though it was a loss, it, it was really when the the gear started to click, or when they really figured out their identity as a team. And hopefully, they can do that a lot earlier this season, um, knowing week one what type of group they have, um, or early on in the season at some point, rather than having to wait uh, halfway into the season to really turn it on. Well, yeah, and you mentioned the start of the season, and that got my wheels turning. Because the first seven games are a bear. You can't, you can't wait. The first seven games are a yeah. bear. I mean, you start with L.A. and then you got the Rams. The Dolphins are in there. The Ravens are in there. The Chiefs. The Packers. The Packers. Are on I mean, it is. That. Those first seven games are a gauntlet, and so you got to be humming coming into that season if you want to get off to the start you're hoping for. Break time for Maddie and us here. One more segment to go. We'll get some final thoughts on the tweet sheet and tell you what you can look forward to for day three of training camp here next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Give blood and score swag. Donate blood and for a chance to win preseason, regular season, or training camp tickets, autograph merchandise, and more. Each donor at presenting Connect Life locations will receive a Bills cinch bag. For more information, go to connectlife.org. Because all blood donors in the month of July, Maddie, at participating Connect Life locations will receive that Bills cinch bag. So what do we got? July 25th, so a little bit less than a week left to cash in on that by rolling up your sleeve. So make sure you do it. I gotta I'm overdue. I'm over a year since I donated, so I gotta I gotta get out there and do that as well in short order. They are emailing me. They are they are reminding me. They're letting you know several times over. Hey it's time. It's that time. It's time (laughs) to stab you. Last comment on the tweet sheet here comes from Daniel who, as far as a Bills focus for camp, says getting in sync with each other, getting comfortable with new roles and positions, signing Poyer's extension. That's the tricky one. What do we, what do we think of that? Because 
we know that Brandon Bean likes to have that $5 million or so cushion in case there's an emergency roster replacement necessary. It's going to be tough. I, I don't know I how they're going to move say, money around. It's looking tough this year, but he said Drew Rosenhaus was at practice yesterday. Him and Brandon continued their conversation. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. But th- that's why it's above our pay grade. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you tomorrow. Steve and I will be here at 1.